global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, SCS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And today, a show so good, it happens every Friday. Great Scott to True Crime Phil. Uh, you'll notice uh, one half of the amazing duo is not here. That would be uh, Phil Waters, a former Houston homicide detective who's investigated over 400 homicide cases, the owner of Kindred Spirits Investigations, uh, the host of The Interrogator, which he wishes was called The Interview Room. Um, he's buying Ferrari 3, 4, and 5 right now, so he said to just bear with him. Uh, Scott Duffy former supervisory agent out of the Delaware office at Pennsylvania police officer for five and a half years. Scott, are you uh, jealous that uh, Phil is now buying three more Ferraris and keeping us waiting? I think what he's doing, Joel, is he is buying these extra Ferraris for us. So, you know, keep keep a watch out for any big packages showing up at your front door. I love it. Imagine the uh, FedEx guy having to carry a Ferrari to my front stoop. That would be... (laughs) Uh, something to behold. Scott Duffy, uh, I'm the luckiest man in America. Two days with you in a row. Uh, we were on Rachel Morn last night, and we're going to get back to that today uh, with your brain and Phil's brain. But uh, having a moment to sleep on it before we get to there's other stories, including uh, the evil doer, as uh, Phil uh, refers to him as. Oh, look at this. Autumn Blaze, 78, became a YouTube member. Thank you so much, Autumn. Appreciate it. Uh, Frankie Figs, member for three months. Uh, a big fan of the show. Uh, love having her. Love STS Nation and Carm. I'm working on getting Carm back into things, by the way. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Sally Vella, always on the show. In the chat, Fridays are the best with Phil and Scott. Joel, thank you. Uh, I need this Friday. Uh, Scott, I talked so much just now. Oh, Rachel Morin. So uh, you, you had to sleep on it. Um, and we'll get into it when, when Phil gets here. Uh, but, you know, like they said, they found uh, people are confused by this. There was a crime in Los Angeles. They collected DNA, but they didn't have any kind of identity matched to that DNA. But that was the same DNA hit uh, here in Maryland. Any Any thoughts overnight uh, related to this? Yeah, it's uh, it's a fascinating case, Joel. And when you brought it up, it's uh, you know I've been doing as much digging as I could, and to realize also calling some some of my local contacts in that area, how they have not even heard of this. If the, you're just outside that viewing um, part in in Maryland, so I don't think it's taken up the steam that it should have, especially with the confirmation of DNA on the West Coast and and the East Coast. And I saw something about, you know, he's escalating. He's escalated. This this is as, as high as you go. So, um, you know, the sexual assault that uh, with little information, but but enough information to to um, to have alerted Maryland with the confirmation of two DNA hits and uh, a very just a just a uh, um, a piece of video, I got to believe that uh, that something is happening behind the scenes hurriedly in order to, to get this guy ID'd and, and arrested. And when you say um, he's escalating and is, it's as high as it goes, obviously uh, 
again, we're going to get back into this once once Phil gets here and we get through some other stuff. But while we're waiting for Phil, uh, no better time to pick uh, Scott's brain. And for all of those who say I don't give Scott enough talking time, come at me now. It's only Scott. Um, so, Scott, um, when you say it's it's escalated basically to the highest level. So this guy went from um, reportedly uh, assaulting a young girl in Los Angeles. That's where we got the video, which hopefully the COE will bring up uh, when we get to it formally later in the show, um, to now allegedly murdering Rachel Morin in a vicious way, uh, basically 3,000 miles away. Uh, now that he's killed once that we know of, uh, is it more likely that he could strike again um, and, and kill again since he's reached that highest level, as you say? Yes, I I totally agree with that um, assumption there. He it he's uh, from what we gather just in this small amount of media that's been given with regards to the L.A. sexual assault. Um, we now have, e- even though I have not heard, correct me, Joel, I have not heard anything from Marilyn saying that is a that. There is a sexual assault attached to the homicide. We can only, I mean, make assumptions yeah. if they haven't. Yeah, they haven't. Um, as far as I know, they have not formally said that. However, and by the way, I'm just messaging Phil here. Uh, so um, they have not definitively said that the assault in Maryland is a sexual assault. However, her body was reportedly found uh, naked. So the implications yeah. there, right, Scott? All the indications there, and, and then of course having having DNA. They could have DNA from blood, but but um, probably uh, more than that. And um, you know, so now so now we have a transient individual. Perhaps he originate, you know, wherever he's originated from. Uh, we we have him definitely traveling from west to east, and wherever he could be now, definitely. Uh, it, it raises concerns for everyone because this is this is the worst case scenario. And we talked about it. I know we talked about the boyfriend. I know we talked about the potential witness. There are things that that do raise red flags for an investigator when someone really puts themselves at the forefront of uh, media and and says things that might be out of the ordinary. But that's what law enforcement does. They start with the inner circle. And then once they confirm that the inner circle, and that is any, any first of all, the person who came across the body, boyfriend or ex-boyfriends or ex-husbands, whatever have you, exclude them and then you can work outside. And, you know, when, when you're talking about something like this, it is a public trail, hikers of all ages and families, et cetera. And, and then I think that was um, mentioned about a, a, a public or, or a popular brewery um, just at the, uh, the entrance exit. Obviously, that shows that this is a very popular spot to visit. And uh, to have a homicide um, really does raise a lot of people's concern. And so everybody's hoping that it's something of the inner circle and thereby is probably not going to be much danger for the other individuals. But now you have a 
unidentified individual, potentially random. And that that really does raise the concern for the community at large. And this question from Ziza, uh, Scott, do you think he's going to keep killing now that he's in the news? Uh, do you think he might be scared off potentially? Uh, he's got to be watching to see, uh, um, you know, if if this is being reported and how. So he probably saw a video of himself. Um, you know, he's he's sort of uh, cornered in, in in a sense, but they don't. You know, on the other on the other hand, he's not cornered at all. So what do you think? I would say he is definitely at a potential to commit additional crimes like this. So who knows what the circumstances are in L.A. where they're, you know, based upon the video, there's some speculation. We don't know everything that happened because it's not fully reported. But we do know that a sexual assault has been uh, alleged here. Uh, DNA was was collected enough to be able to uh, put into a national database, and and now this individual, uh, for the most part, seems to be unidentified, and and now that DNA sample pops up as a potential hit now attached to a homicide within relatively, I think it was uh, March or sometime uh, mid spring of this year. And you have the, uh, the the crossing of the country. You don't know what's in between. You don't know what's before. And so I I think um, all hands are on deck in order to try to identify and get this guy because the potential is there for the worst. He's already shown he 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 has the um, the ability to kill. And uh, and and if if this is not the first, then definitely there will be additional if he's not caught. You know, I was wondering, because it was Colonel Davis out of the Hartford County Sheriff's Office who spoke last night. Uh, why do you think the sheriff spoke? And, uh, I mean, in terms of stress level for a sheriff, is this as high as it gets, knowing that there's, you know, potentially some uh, public safety concerns? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've dealt a little bit um at least in in my paths as an FBI agent with Harford County and surrounding counties, and they 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 have their stuff together, the uh, well oiled machine. They, you know, uh, uh, prior to me leaving in 2018, there was an incident and uh, received quite a bit of attention, and and Harford County was all over Harford County, and and I would say any of those surrounding um, jurisdictions. They're not afraid to call upon anyone that they need for resources. And I would imagine they did just that. They're, they're state police partners, they're neighboring jurisdictions, definitely the feds. And then, of course, being in a park, you, um, you have park rangers, federal and state. I'm, I would, I'm not quite sure if this, this was a state park, uh, or federal park, but, but you have, you have plenty of um, resources uh, at, at your disposal. And, and I imagine there's not one individual or not one ger- uh, entity that the uh, sheriff hasn't called for assistance. Our friend uh, Phil Waters now having trouble getting in. So I am, uh, I am multitasking right now and trying to get uh, Phil Waters in, which is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna uh, 
resend him uh, what he needs to have. And for those of you, for those of you who, uh, look at this. This, texting and hosting a show. I do it all here. Uh, I did a job of 7,000 people. Uh, and so does the COE, Steve Cohen, and uh, Space Coast. Um, by the way, for those of you who are now screaming because the host is texting and also because you're not talking about Brian Koberger and that's what you tuned in for, I'm just waiting for uh, Phil Waters to get on here and then we're going to get into Koberger and then we're going to circle back to that uh, just for one minute here. Um, by the way, Kathleen says what makes you so concerned is he has nothing to uh, lose now. He might know he's being sought and he's murdered someone. That is an excellent point. Uh, I am not T-Pain with a little humor on a Friday that we all need. Great Scott, does anyone by chance have a giant glass of unfiltered waters I could relax with? I wish I had a glass of filled waters right now. This turd burger, co-burger nonsense is really grinding my gears. How about that? Uh, nice and early in Scotland. Uh, ketchup is in the house as always on Fridays. Love to see her. Um, let's go down a little. Look at this. Uh, Mish, good old Mish. The gang back together again. Love you long time from uh, South Africa of all places. Hit the like button. Helps get the algorithm chugging. We're at a 777 on the chat right now. Love to see that. Uh, Tali and Israel. Happy Friday, Joel and my STS fam. Hope Phil is doing better. What what a week it was. Ooh, it only ended right. That is the uh, the uh, uh, Dr. Raj uh, call out there with the real Magnum PI and the sound assassin. Uh, COE, can you work your magic? I don't know what's going on with Phil today, but uh, I sent him the correct link again. And uh, he's not appearing in our waiting room. So we will go along without him. So, um... Scott Duffy, no pressure. The whole show is resting on your shoulders right now. Um, oh, by the way, big announcement before I forget, and then we're going to get into this. Um, on Sunday, we are doing a show called Mahalo Maui at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we have this former CEO of Direct Relief that is working closely uh, with people in Maui to get them exactly that, Direct Relief, their big nonprofit. Uh, he's going to be here. His name is... Uh, Dr. Angel Iskovich, and I am working uh, to get a couple of STSers who have reached out as well as some local reporters. The problem is uh, Wi-Fi and communication is impossible right now. There are very few hotspots, and uh, there's a person on the show named Carpe Diem. Uh, you see her in the chat sometimes. Uh, she is uh, a fellow STS nationer. She's on Maui. And uh, she reached out that she's okay. The place is devastated. And uh, she's going to try to join us. Um, I asked Catherine Regier, who very politely declined, which I completely understand. But we're going to do that on um, Sunday night. And any and all merchandise, and uh, the CEO, the COE puts a new merch in that store. Any merchandise that is purchased during that uh, show, we are going to donate all the proceeds uh, to a different organization in Maui, and the COE just sent the check off uh, to Maui. Uh, so thanks to everybody for all their support. Again, it's not Jeff Bezos' dough; it ain't a hundred million bucks, but we did our part, and uh, I appreciate all of you for that. And I'm glad that we did it. Um, the show is haywire today because COE's coming in in person right now. Uh, 
may I hang on one second, everyone? I've Scott Duffy sing for one second. <laughs> Not text me his number. I don't know his number. This show has already completely gone off the rails. The COE is in here. She's trying to get a hold of Phil. Complete unmitigated disaster. Once again, why I think this show should be on mainstream media. Uh, this should be on NBC on Saturday nights. Imagine just you're sitting there watching a show on a Saturday night. Those boring-ass shows, not what Love Boat used to be. And in the middle, a producer just walks in, a.k.a. the COE, and starts telling you why a guest is not there. It would be the best television in the world. But uh, corporate executive Scott Duffy are way too scared to try any of that. On top of everything, I'm hearing a weird echo today. So uh, we're at 882 in the chat. We'll probably be a three before it's all over. But I still love you, STS. Um Look at this. Before we he, he appeared, the question was posed, do you all think we will have regular glasses, Scott, or sexy glasses, Scott? Yeah. Uh, we've got sexy glasses, Scott, but these yeah. are the only glasses I've seen, and I love them um, as I scroll through this chat. So um, let's, for full disclosure, and I should be, uh, you know, letting you know that it was exciting, but it really wasn't. Uh, the Brian Koberger hearing, he was back in court today, Scott Duffy. Of course, as you know, anytime we do this, uh, we honor Kaylee Gonzalez, Maddie Mogan, uh, Zana Kernodal, there he is, and Ethan Chapin. Uh, may we remember them and uh, send our love to their families, and uh, they're obviously going through the worst of times. Um, Phil, you got, you got number three, four, and five. Uh, Ferraris are all being delivered. Ow! I profusely apologize. Uh I did get caught up in my uh, quest, and I've been on the phone with uh, three different people in two different states. So uh, <laughs> it was it was the Ferrari. Yeah, it was. Yes, I'm afraid so. Scott Duffy said to me, "I think he's buying number three, four, and five, and he wasn't far off. So when is number two? Is it is it a done deal? No, 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 no. Got it's two cars. One's in Missouri. One's in uh, Texas." And I'm now having a Ferrari do uh, 101 inspections on them. So you're deciding between these two? Yes. And are they both red in color? No, they're both giallo. Is that yellow? Yes. Really? Red and yellow. And which, the yellow one will stay in Houston? Yes. Wow. And uh, before I get tons of hate mail, how is Nugget? Nugget is napping over here on the couch. Um, by the way, big news here for us. Uh, anyone who is not a regular, you know, watcher of this show is watching this today. will never, ever watch this show again. Uh, it's been disastrous up to this point. Um, but look, this is big news. Ski Hat Sarah is no longer Ski Hat Sarah. New photo, no Ski Hat. Woo-hoo, almost live. Uh, that is big news. Space Coast running uh, the show behind the scenes. Um, a lot to cover today, Phil Waters, uh, and very importantly, um, someone's talking about a passion fruit martini. I could use uh, Well, let me, let me say something here. Uh, I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get nailed for interrupting, of course. No, please uh, do. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, all these people complain because Scott didn't get enough airtime <laughs> and, uh, 
Scott so, was on. By the way, Scott was on last night. So there you go. Oh, okay. Well, and so and so last uh, uh, last time, I was off the I was off the freaking thing. So you got a full dose of ten minutes of nothing but Scott Duffy. I mean, these people, it's never enough for them, right? I mean, never. Uh, and so here, even here, it says, "I would love to see an only Scott Duffy show." And you know, people are out there. You know, Scott needs to have his own podcast and this, and that, and this, and that. So um, I'm giving Scott every opportunity to be the guy and uh people still complain so uh you know i'm sorry uh well scott was on last night he's back today uh and look at this i haven't seen this guy in a while the coburger eyebrows j thomas reset well let's see what they say today have they changed their opinions yet um tell you phil waters has it i don't think uh chelsea whitaker sexy scott look at this since he's put on the glasses sexy scott Ski hat Sarah Scott with the heart emoji. And look at this. Aloha. Shout out to Aloha. Aloha Friday Scott. No mention of Phil and SDS Nation. These gla- Look at this. These glasses. Look at this. <laughs> Scott glasses in the merch store, please. We'll start something. Well, I, I'll, I'll just sign off. And, and, uh... <laughs> and look at this. Tolly Scott Duffy two times a week. We are ble- Look at this. Uh, what was last night, by the way? What was last night? Uh, last night was the Rachel Morin uh, live press conference. The woman in mo- Mother of Five in Maryland, and we're going to get back. Yeah, they've got this DNA match yeah. between Maryland and LA. And I'm going to have you break that down, Phil, uh, in a little bit. But uh, look at this, Raul Thomas with the best suggestion of the day. Let's get Phil's Ferrari mechanic on a show. I would love to, the guy inspecting. That would be amazing. Um. Phil, before I forget, I'm formally inviting you, and you don't have to say yes, but Sunday night, we are doing a special show called Mahalo Maui. Um, We have the CEO from Direct Relief, um, former CEO, he ran legit, you know, he ran the show there. They are providing a lot of relief to Maui right now, and he's still helping with that. Um, And he's coming on the show. Catherine Regier, who's in Maui, declined politely. Um, and then we've got Carpe Diem, who's in the chat a lot of times, and she lives on Maui, uh, and she's trying to appear, but they're having a hard time with hotspots. I'm working on getting some reporters, but you, since you're there and there's a lot of news, I'm uh, cordially and formally inviting you, 7 p.m. All the merchandise sold during that show, which I hope is a lot, all the proceeds are going to go to uh, Maui. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh- you said seven o'clock Sunday. Yeah. So if you're not buying another Ferrari, but I know you've got plans with the wife, so we can talk. Well, no. I mean, I mean, yesterday was my birthday, so we got all that taken care of. And, That's just in passing. Uh, Happy birthday, Phil. Well, and thank you. And um, um, Sunday at it'd be one o'clock here, and we are uh, at church. So. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to think about that. And see if there's a way to. Okay. Don't mean to put you on the spot. We'll figure it out. Church is more important. Um, I do like this. Hi from now infamous L.A. My new nickname for Scott: Boom Boom Duffy. Kind of like that. Boom Boom. Mm. Sort of like sensitive Scott. I'm not sure what that means. I, I, I sort of like sensitive Scott. Uh, hello, STS Nation, the best three men to watch on a Friday. Chat, it's been a month at least since I caught 
a live Friday, uh, 23 minutes in, basically talked about nothing. And that's not true. We talked about Rachel Moore. Uh, Alicia Elliott just became a YouTube member. Welcome, Alicia. Great to have you here. Um, okay, so let's get down to business here. Um, the evildoers, uh, Phil Waters calls him. Uh, he was He's in court today. The proceeding, I believe, is still going on. Um, and uh, the Gonzalez family was in court. What's interesting is the courtroom uh, was, according to reports, not very crowded. Um, so I don't know if, you know, some of the interest nationally has been waning as we wait uh, for this thing to wind its way through the courts to get to trial. Uh, he was wearing a gray suit with a blue and gold striped tie. Uh, off the bat, uh, Phil Waters, what do you think about defendants in suits? Because I hear a lot of comments on Twitter saying they shouldn't let that guy in a suit. They should keep him in a jump prison jumpsuit or jail jumpsuit. What say you? Or you don't care? Uh, you know, uh, that's that's just part of this. Uh, that's the way the system works. So if we remember that. There is a presumption of innocence here, and the defense attorneys want to present the defendant in the best possible light. Then this is what this is what happens. So they get a haircut, shave them. That <clears throat> they have a lot of tattoos. They're trying to cover those tattoos up because remember we are putting these people in front of a jury, and you can't make a second first impression. So the defense wants the jury to have the best possible first impression that they can have. And part of that is dressing them up to present a particular image. Mm. Scott, by the way, Cindy Hollenbeck is in the Moscow Pullman area. Special shout out to Cindy. Um, Scott Duffy, your thoughts on that? I'm curious. Uh, should a defendant be uh, dressed up? to the nines in a suit and tie looking dapper um, or should he be in a jail jumpsuit? Yeah. I mean, I've always seen it where they're, if, if not in a suit, at least uh, offered a suit and then, you know, maybe a button down shirt and slacks. We, we had one individual that we even wanted cuffed because of quite a bit of circumstances that we were able to show a possibility of something happening in the courtroom and we really had to fight hard um, to get those handcuffs to stay, and, and we were not successful. So a lot is shown to give the defendant, who's in the view of the jury, quite a bit of, you know, it's almost looks like they're walking of their own free will because they're brought in and they're brought out outside of the jury. So um, so a suit or anything outside of prison garb is has been has been the standard just to, you know, prosecution and the judge and the courtroom trying to remain as neutral as possible. It's, mm. So it, it's, it's something I'm always used to. Uh, Amy, and look what I've created here. I love this man's voice. Uh, I presume she's speaking about sensitive Scott Duffy. Um, Scott, I may need a permission slip from your wife to go forward uh, for you to appear on this show. Um I don't want her getting jealous. And then Phil's adoptive uh, daughter here, Abby Tahahahaha. Aloha, Abby. Saying hello. Um, again, I, I'm, 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 I don't know what I am. Hello, SDS Nation. Joel Scott Duffy with the awesome glasses. Scott Duffy with the Phil. Um, I think you're losing the glasses competition here. Just, well, I, well, I was never in it, but I, I mean, 
I think you've always been in it. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> so, whatever. <laughs> there are a lot of things on my list of things that matter. This is not one of them. So, uh, okay. Uh, Joanne Murdoch says, keep him in a jail jumpsuit. Okay, so the Gonzalez family is in there. That's got to be really tough because you're looking at the guy uh, who allegedly murdered your daughter. I would have a very difficult time. Uh, as I said, I believe this hearing, if it's not still going on, is just wrapping up. It was a little bit of a mini trial with witnesses called to the stand today. Uh, they were basically addressing six different motions. Um, two of the biggest here, uh, Scott Duffy, the defense was requesting a stay of proceedings. Uh, they basically want to halt proceedings um, as they try to organize and I'll be honest, and if STS Nation knows, I had to start the show. I don't know what Judge Judge, if anything, ruled on this yet, but we've talked about it a little bit before. I mean, Scott, what about this notion that they want to stay of proceedings? That's a, a lot to ask. It's something I don't think the judge is going to go for. They basically just want to stop everything in its tracks. Why would they want to do that? Oh, you're muted, Scott Duffy. Okay. Got me. It, it is confusing because, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought there was something prior to this that they were looking for a speedy trial. And um, and so now a stay of proceeding. So I, I just feel at this point they do not like the way their defense is shaking up or shaping up and so thereby need more time. That's that's pretty much what I think they're they're doing. Mm. Uh, Jay Thomas Reset, uh, adding to the humor today, Joel, should you be in a jumpsuit while doing your show? Um, if my kids didn't go back to school next week, there's a good chance I would be. But thank God they're going back to school. Um, I will miss them dearly, but I cannot wait for Tuesday. Um, the hearing broke for lunch, and then there were three more witnesses not expected to take an an hour. That is not me, JW, but thank you to whoever has those amazing initials. Uh, he has not ruled on anything so far today. Uh, so there you go. STS Nation, as always, uh, on top of everything. Uh, Sensitive Scott needs to help tame Wild Wendy. Uh, that is a reference to Tuesday night's Jerry Springer style show, uh, which got out of hand when we had... Um, when we had Turtle Boy confronting Wendy Murphy on the Karen Reed case out of Boston. Um, quick programming note, Tuesday night, guess who's coming back? Turtle Boy. We got a former DEA agent out of Canton, Massachusetts named Sean McDonough, a very Boston name. He's coming on Tuesday night with former Boston FBI agent Jeff Wood to discuss the Karen Reed case. Uh, did she run over and kill her Boston police officer boyfriend, John O'Keefe, or is she being framed as Turtle Boy's reporting uh, seems to point to? We're going to dig deeper into that. I cannot have Wendy and Turtle Boy on the same show unless Phil and Scott are present physically to keep them apart. Uh, Phil, if you did not see that show, I'm going to send it to you. It will take you back to the early days of the Geraldo Rivera show. Um and or Jerry Springer. Um, there was uh, there were almost fisticuffs in that show. It got wild. I'll send it to you. You'll have fun watching it. Um, moving on with uh, with Brian Koberger here. So the bigger the biggest issue of the day was a motion to compel the state to share 
uh, DNA. And basically, Phil Waters, the defense came out and said, we do not have the lab results of three unidentified male DNA samples. We've heard about this, uh, three unidentified DNA male, uh, male samples. The defense said it did not have the lab results of these three samples, two from within the house and one from outside the Moscow house. Uh, prosecutors, on the other hand, said they, pr they provided all they have. Um, Phil Waters, is the defense making a good point uh, do they have the right here? I mean, obviously, they have the right to file this motion to compel to hand over as much of this DNA evidence as they have. You think the judge will ultimately rule and say, hey, you got to give them all this DNA stuff. They claim they've given them everything. Well, under Brady, they, they, they've got to give them everything. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm not sure. And the prosecution saying they've given them everything. So yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I'm not. Are they the defense is posturing? I mean, is there's. This, yeah, this is what we talked about last time. Is it I, like I don't know because I'm not as experienced as you guys, but is this gamesmanship ahead of the trial where they're just, uh, you know, posturing up like they do, uh, like fighters before, uh, you know, at the weigh in? Or is it are these legitimate concerns, do you think, from the defense? Well, I'm going to go down the road that Scott's going down. I think this defense team has got a, uh, this is, they've got some really, uh, bad news regarding evidence and the uh, whatever that they may think is exculpatory is probably not. Um, so I think they've got a rough road to hoe here with this guy and they're pulling out anything they can. Uh, I think I said last week, they're just throwing it on the wall and see what sticks. So uh, when you have this, he said, she said exchange and they're obviously trying to, uh, create this this aura that the prosecution is hiding something i i can't imagine and it has happened so let's let's qualify that it has happened where there were pieces of evidence that were possibly exculpatory that they did not the prosecution did not share with the defense that has happened and in those few cases that I'm aware of, there were a couple in Texas, as a matter of fact, uh, those prosecutors ended up being disbarred and, and uh, you know, resigned in disgrace. So, yeah, I mean, let's, these prosecutors are just completely stupid. There's no way in a case with this high profile that they would position themselves to say, we've given them everything. Then when they're, the defense attorney says, no, they haven't. And then they say, again, reiterate it. And it's a, I mean, good grief. What, what would be the point? And just because we've got other DNA, you know, male DNAs unidentified, so forth and so on, I'm sure all those are going to be tested. Uh, they, they didn't get a profile on them and, and entered into CODIS. Nothing hit, no hits. So, look, there were a lot of people in and out of that, in and out of that place. What's going to be important is where that other DNA was found and where the evildoers DNA was found. So, you, you know, you've got to, you got to compare apples to apples here. And uh, I just think a lot of this is, is uh, the drama of being produced by the defense attorneys to kind of get everybody, you know, you know, don't know. Don't, there's nothing going on over here. It's going on over here, you know, kind of one of those things. So, um, 
Phil Waters, um, I just realized if your birth, by the way, Elf says the defense wants their cake and to eat it too. Uh, Perhaps. Uh, followed by Sarah Adams, who now says he needs to waive that speedy trial. Uh, then I am not T. Payne says jumpsuit. Sarah Adams says jumpsuit. And uh, I saw another one that says it should be a jumpsuit through until the trial, and then he can wear a suit. Uh, so there's uh, STS Nation uh, weighing in on that. Phil Waters, if your birthday was yesterday, that would have been August 17th. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, that is my lucky number, and I'll tell you why. As a seven-year-old, I was an obsessive New York Yankees fan, and my favorite player was Mick the Quick Rivers. Mickey Rivers, lightning fast, he wore number 17. My whole life, lucky 17. Um, so happy birthday, Phil. Are, are you a big birthday guy? What did you do? I bet you something low-key. Well, I I didn't even think about, I really don't think about birthdays, but my wife, on the other hand, does. And um, she threw a very nice um, surprise party for me at an uh, Italian restaurant that is owned by an, uh, an art dealer who we have purchased art items from. And uh, he has put tables from the restaurant into the gallery. So we actually were sitting in the gallery uh, having a, a wonderful birthday celebration. And it was uh, the whole day was just awesome of things that weren't planned. And, and uh, I was very, uh, very blessed. It was, a, it was a, just a, I can't think of a better birthday that has been uh, so full of joy. Mm. That's beautiful to hear. Beautiful. I love that. Um, I'm happy for you, Phil. Uh, Phil, just so you know, uh, I don't want to get all mushy now that we're discussing this. But for the, for the well, first, you know what we're going to say. Get ready. So no, this is this is this is taking us way off the rails. Um, Last night, for the very first time since my beloved Mabel Rose left us for the Rainbow Bridge, I had an in-depth, detailed dream about her where she was chasing me around and licking me and kissing me and jumping up on my legs. And I woke up to realize it was just a dream and I was devastated that uh, Mabel's over. Do you believe that when you have uh, someone visit you in a dream that they are visiting you uh, spiritually, Phil Waters? I don't know that I would go that far. I, I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen. Um, but uh, it's a coast you know what? That, that dream giving you a relationship with your puppy dog and, and the, re, the, the realism of that experience, uh, sure. I mean, it's like the guy that dreams he ate a, uh, a giant marshmallow and he woke up and his pillow was gone. You know, so uh, it mm -hmm. can be very real. My, my, my eyes are watering up. I must change the subject. Uh, look at D Hall. So uh, sweet. You did an amazing job managing Turtle Boy and Wendy, Joel. Uh, you always seem so calm. It is just the exterior. Trust me. Uh, Geraldo did, in fact, receive a broken nose on a show. He had some white supremacists on. Uh, I know Geraldo a little bit. Um, he's actually a good guy, believe it or not. Um, and he's uh, got a lot of conviction and a lot of passion, and it gets him in trouble sometimes. Uh, I used to work with 
it's a long story. His, his well, first of all, his brother and his brother-in-law's wife, and, and she's one of the sweetest people uh, you'll ever meet. Uh, Jay Thomas Reset. Uh, these Bostonians are a handful, very unruly uh, bulldogs. Though Boston, a lot of passion there. Uh, Scott Duffy, I can feel people are going to yell at me that I'm ignoring you again, and I'm very uh, self-conscious. Judge Judge about this DNA discovery came out and said, and I quote here, thank God it's Friday. There has to be some level of trust in discovery. You are all sworn attorneys. And he ordered the prosecution to reach back out to the lab where this DNA is being done to ensure there are no other existing documents and results that the defense does not have. And the defense brought in a guy named Stephen Mercer, He's a uh, Maryland criminal defense attorney, again, Maryland, uh, close to your neck of the woods, who specializes in DNA as a defense uh, attorney. And he says it is critical that they get this, these other unidentified male uh, DNA samples. But uh, what about the judge basically admonishing uh, all the lawyers saying you are professionals? Is he saying, hey, back off and do what you need to do? Yeah. He is. And I, it will be interesting to see what, who, what is actually taking place here. It's possible that whatever has already been done and it, and it exists in a file that the, the materials turned over to the defense is so vast that they just don't know how to find it, but it's there. Um, I don't, I don't think that specifically the job of prosecution to uh, itemize everything even though um, I've seen it on a couple of different ways of itemized or not itemized. But you know, ult- ultimately, these are, um, these are allegations by the defense. We'll see what pans out, if it's true or not. I totally agree with Phil that just, you know, uh, caution, just throw caution in the wind and give everything. And um, it's, is it possible that... Uh, that the that the um, DNA samples taken elsewhere were completed and you know just came up, you know it's negative for for uh, the defendant, but but uh, they didn't go so far as to figure out who else it could be, and maybe it just stopped. It's you know we are talking about a college house, right? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine. There is a lot more than three samples um, that uh, you know throughout that house and outside. So I don't I don't know exactly what was tested and came up. That's not the defendants. That 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 I would be interested in that, but not what has taken place here. May just be that paperwork is there, just not readily found. Hmm. Um. Phil and Scott, it's a Friday. I want it to be uh, happy and relaxed. Uh, Jay Thomas reset with a very nice comment. I might change my picture, go with something with glasses. However, this comment, Phil, is getting under my skin, so I'm going to bring it up right here. From KK Londoner, I'm going to duty Ron too many, should be two O's and two, too many adverts, meaning advertisements on this channel. I want to say something. Number one, I never heard of duty, Ron. Number two, you can go anywhere you like. Uh, we have a free country here and in uh, Britain is also a free country. Uh, number three, uh, wherever else you go, I guarantee you, you ain't getting the guests, the quality of guests that you're getting here. Best guests in all true crime. 
better community, as I like to say. Uh, KK Londoner, I wish you all the best, but buzz off, KK Londoner. And uh, it's a Friday. I love you. But, uh, oh, the fifth or sixth thing I was going to say is I don't deal with the, uh, the adverts. It's not my world. I don't deal with adverts. That's YouTube. My show is on YouTube. Different people have different uh, whatever, subscriptions. I don't even know how it all works, but YouTube does their thing. I put on, by the way, the most limited amount of ads that you can possibly uh, – I click off of everything to make it a better viewing experience for you. Um, so there. Go yell at Mr. and Mrs. Google who own YouTube. Uh, but buzz off on a Friday. Enjoy the show. Love you all. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a tangent. Um, Scott Duffy, back to you. Uh, the second witness uh, for the defense was Dr. Leah Larkin. Look at this. Na, 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 na. Hey, good. But I sang the Love Boat theme earlier in the week, by the way. Um, second witness, Scott Duffy, Dr. Leah Larkin. Uh, she's from California and is a professional genetic genealogist. She went on the stand and did something very brave. She admitted that she was nervous being there. And uh, why wouldn't you be? It's the most high-profile case uh, in the country. Uh, she says that she was approached by the defense to educate uh, on how genetic genealogy works and said that a genetic genealogist can provide, uh, what they can pr provide can only be considered approximate, never definite. This is why you never hear it's a 100% match. Again, is the defense already just trying to muddy the waters uh, with this genetic genealogy tree that they built to basically track down Brian Cobra? So from, and I'm going to speak in pure layman's terms for any DNA expert out there who's listening. So I do not know DNA in any way, shape or form to speak of it in a way that it probably deserves. However, the limited a uh, few cases that I had, and especially now as uh, the uh, the FBI has now um, added genetic genealogists to their lab and throughout uh, different uh, divisions. The way I gather is you don't have to be a scientist to be a genetic genealogist. You, um, you have investigative skills. You look at what has already been put for, put uh, in front of you by DNA specialists, etc. There is, um, and and then you build um, a tree. You but you you follow wherever the lead is taking you, and once they put a package together that they believe, hey, this is where it leads us. And from what I know of the investigation, I believe this person or that person is your suspect or somebody you want to go interview. Then it is up to law enforcement detectives who then go and further that investigation. And it takes them down the road that genetic genealogy was taking them or it takes them elsewhere. So ultimately, it is just another tool it um, it's finding its way uh, legitimately through the court system as anything uh, relatively new does. It's being tested, but um, it, it comes down to what what is it that tied Brian Kohlberger to this? Not genetic genealogy that led genetic genealogists to the family 
It is ultimately that buccal swab or however by search or volunteerism where they obtain now a sample from him and have the proof positive. And then you can put the whole patch together and say, look, genetic genealogy took us down this road. We followed it. It made sense. Other things seem to corroborate. And uh, look, we now have that DNA swab that uh, shows we have the person we were we were looking for. So genetic genealogy still has is still ironing things out. But um, the end result is taking that buccal swab and showing that uh, that's the person you were looking for. So so it's it's supportive, and and I'm you know I believe at the end it will be the DNA scientists that that uh, will be corroborating and, and testifying as such. Uh, Nightwood points out Thurman Munson was great. Uh, one of my favorite players, a catcher for the New York Yankees, died tragically in a plane crash. Uh, at the time, I thought he was like 75. I think he was 32 when he died. But when I was seven years old, he had that big mustache. I thought he was 100. Um, he wore number 15. So 15 is a lucky number, too. Uh Don Hager, by the way, Phil, you're getting a stream of birthday wishes, like a flood, um, a deluge of birthday wishes in the chat. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Don Hagerman says, can the defense not have the DNA in question tested, Phil? Why not? Why can't they have it tested? And then we're moving on to uh, the Long Island serial killer. Well, they can, but look, we're, we're kind of conflating things here, and this is what defense people do. And as Scott's already talked about, the genealogical DNA stuff is not the end game. You have to get the DNA from the sample, from the real one, to, to corroborate what you found in the genealogical stuff. So, you know, these other three samples that are supposed to be in existence and that kind of they're not going to do genealogical DNA on those three samples uh, because they have, again, it goes to where is the DNA found? So we know that the DNA, at least that they have, that puts the evildoer at that scene at that time comes off the tab of the sheath. And so they were able to get the genealogical stuff that led them to the suspect. Then we get familiar DNA, and then we get his DNA, and it all comes together in one place. And the other DNA, look, I've had cases where the DNA was never uh, determined uh, of who it belonged to. And sometimes, and, and remember, too, that DNA in isolation is not, in this particular case, is not going to be the determining factor. It's not going to be a single piece of evidence that brings this case, hopefully, to a successful prosecution. It's a combination of all of these affirmative links and the presentation to that jury that all of these affirmative links can only lead to one person, and he's sitting over there at the defense table. So they've got so much evidence in this case that has little to do with DNA. That the DNA part is just is just a small part of the bigger picture. So this this, but people have this 
impression of DNA that, oh yeah, this is the end all, this and that, this and that. And it's just not. And it's it's all part of a, of a bigger picture. So um, we got to get off of getting hung up on one piece of evidence as being the now. Sometimes there are critical pieces of evidence, but it's it's usually in combination of things and all of those pieces of evidence falling in the right place. So uh, this arguing about DNA and finger pointing that they don't have this or they've got that. And sometimes the defense attorney, look, there have been cases where the defense has gone in and they want these other samples to test and they've been denied that. So, I mean, but it's all part of the formula of the defense presenting the best defense they can. And so I don't, I don't get irritated by all this stuff. I mean, it's just, it's part of the process. So, um, let them do what they know they need to do. They're checking boxes is what they're doing to make sure that if when this thing gets appealed, if it's successfully uh, adjudicated with a conviction, the, the last thing they want is the appeal to be based on incompetent counsel. So they're doing what they have. They're doing their due diligence to make sure that he gets the best defense he can get. And that's the way the system is supposed to work. Well said, Phil. Uh, Jessica Kay, uh, to you, <clears throat> Scott Duffy, she has her hand raised. I love that with an awesome shot of her dog. Uh, do we think Koberger is behind all this nonsense, Scott Duffy, being presented at court, being his criminal justice schooling background, and he thinks he knows it all? Before you answer that, Scott Duffy, Cindy Hollenbeck says, uh, I believe that Mabel is visiting me. My dead brother visits me in dreams. He's been gone since 87, uh, followed here by Ketchup. Mabel is making sure you know that she is doing well, Joel. I could literally, it brings a tear. By the way, I saw that <clears throat> Friday's my voice goes. Ski Hat Sarah said that her birthday is November 17th. Uh, that is my late father's birthday. So even more reason to consider Ski Hat Sarah special and more reason for 17 to be my lucky number this will be my his first first birthday where he's not with us so if i think about that i'll be sobbing uh soaking my keyboard unable to continue so scott duffy is the evildoer behind all this uh, as this question uh posed uh do you think uh, you think he's injecting himself and then i promise we're moving on Oh, I, I would only imagine, I can't imagine a defendant not participating in their own arguments. And especially with um, somebody that uh, has, you know, at least on paper, the schooling. It's, uh, I, I've dealt with quite a few defendants who, e even defendants who have defended themselves. And it makes for a circus in the courtroom. But the, um, I, I, I wouldn't put it past uh, him, him participating and, and trying to, uh, to add things. It's, it's, it's definitely a round table discussion for sure. What's happening there. Uh, super sticker from Lilac Whisper. I like that name. Someone, I, I just flew over. It said they wish they had a mute button. Uh, Phil and Scott, I had a mute guest for the first time ever. Um, well, can I, yeah, 
at the risk of this will get him going because I've been interrupted again. But uh, who is this Wendy person? They, uh, uh, Wendy. Well, they, I mean, yeah, yeah. So Wendy, Wendy Murphy, Wendy, she was horrible. Uh, everybody was blah 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 blah. Who who is this person? That very consternation among the among the nation among the SDS nation. Who I'm, is I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a very abbreviated version of the story. There's a woman in Boston, Karen Reed. You might know a little bit about it, and she was dating a Boston police officer named John O'Keefe. Uh, they go to a party. They get wildly drunk. They go to an other Boston police officer's home. Uh, he winds up dead. Uh, there are conflicting stories. She is charged and is out on bail for manslaughter for running over her boyfriend, uh, presumably after some sort of fight. Uh, but the other half of the people here uh, believe that there is corruption in the Canton, Massachusetts Police Department and that something like 11 or 12 people or 13 people conspired uh, in a cover-up to frame Karen Reed. And Wendy Murphy is of the position that Karen Reed committed this crime. Uh, she didn't intend to commit it. Turtle Boy, who's been covering this from an investigative standpoint, is pointing is to- Turtle Boy? Turtle Boy I is- I know not these people you speak <laughs> of. <laughs> In 2020, it used to be Walter Cronkite or Edward R. Murrow. But now in 2023, you have dopes like myself who have shows. And you've got, I would not call him a dope. He's a smart guy, Turtle Boy. His real name is Aiden Carney. He's uh, in the Boston area. Someone told me he's not from Boston. He's a self-proclaimed investigative journalist. He's coming. I invited him back on the show. He goes to court hearings. He goes and interviews pe interviews people. And uh, he is convinced that the evidence that he is gathering is pointing to this wide conspiracy uh, in within the Canton, Massachusetts Police Department involving many different people to cover up this crime. Because uh, one of the theories is this guy, John O'Keefe, went into this home and was basically sucker punched and killed. And the police said, oh, crap, now we have to cover it up. Um, and there are some things to this. Um, and listen, anyone who's listening to me knows I don't, I do not, I'm the journalist, I ask questions. I've not been following the case that closely. Um, I am going to be reading a lot more on it prior to Turtle Boy coming back on Tuesday. Well, uh, and, and, he's called, and he's called Turtle Boy because he looks like Mitch McConnell. I mean, what, uh, what's <laughs> By the way, it's Who's the original Turtle, by the way. But, but, by the way, it is Dr. Turtle Boy to you. I asked Turtle Boy, what do I call you? He says, please call me doctor. Um, he's a bit of a character. A doctor of what? Uh, of turtling. He's a PhD? A, a PhD? Yeah, yeah well. PhD. Okay. Well, so listen, so Wendy Murphy um, garnered a lot of hate after this show because she spoke very openly. Um, and who is she? Wendy Murphy is a criminal defense attorney. Uh, she yeah. used to be on the TV all the time. Um, she was a visiting scholar at Harvard. Um, I don't know how to say this politely. Uh, she takes no shit from anyone, and she went at it with Turtle Boy. Uh, oh, well. But now some people say she should be disbarred. Uh, Wendy Murphy says, you know, to everyone, all the haters, she doesn't care. Uh, but I cannot have Turtle Boy and Wendy Murphy back on. But you asked, so I tell I you. I don't know anything about Wendy. Uh, but 
I can say that uh, if, if she's that, you know, I have faded the same kind of heat, so uh, I would probably side with her. I try not to be rude. I mean, she was rude. That's another issue. But uh, speaking your piece, speaking your mind, sticking to your guns, uh, good for her. There's many people that think that I should be barred from this show. So, uh, you know. Bill Waters, as long as I'm hosting, you will never, ever be barred from my show. I can guarantee that. However, you do have to leave me a Ferrari in the will, maybe, for that to be uh, completely I, You know what? I tell you what, I'll leave one for Scott and one for you. Good so man. You. I, I don't want your son Shane coming after me. I think he's probably bigger and stronger. And, uh, yeah, well. So be, care be careful there. Yeah. Uh, but but I'll take you up on that. And so we'll we'll All right. So uh, moving along here. Uh, the accused, oh, by the way, so rude for people to be so mean to such hardworking people to create this content. It is a grind. Let me tell you something. Just ask the COE. Uh, I take this, although not on Fridays, but uh, I take this very seriously. Uh, it is my new life. Um, I focus on it. I work on it constantly. Um, when you watch television, um, they're usually ads. But again, I limit as much as I can to YouTube ads. Um but it is, it's it's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of work and I love it. And I love STS Nation and I love what we're building and we're just getting cracking. But whoever that was, I already forgot their name. They can still buzz off. How about that? Um, Scott Duffy, please. I need to have a Zen last hour of this show. Um, Rex Hewerman, the accused Long Island serial killer. So things are really kind of heating up here. Um, we were going to do a full show on this last night, but then obviously the news with Rachel Moore broke, and we'll get back to that as well. But uh, there are now multiple Las Vegas cold case murders that are being investigations, uh, that are being investigated for connections uh, to Rex Hewerman. Um, they're looking into unsolved cases, uh, particularly related to him. Uh, the mother of a few of these victims and other relatives, uh, one in particular, Jesse Foster, uh, told, um, a couple media outlets that she sees several similarities to the Gilgo Beach killings. Now, people ask why Las Vegas? Well, Rex Hewerman, he owned multiple timeshare properties uh, in the Las Vegas metropolitan area around the time that these women in Las Vegas went missing. Uh, so that's the connection. Um, so let's go through uh, the first. The first woman is someone named Jesse Foster. She's 21 years old when she was 21 uh she went missing uh 17 years ago and uh, her daughter is someone named her mother i'm sorry is named glendine grant um she said she last saw her daughter 17 years ago and she's had so many false leads and dashed hopes that she now can't bring herself to fully believe that her daughter's disappearance could possibly be solved um what kind of, uh, you know, fine line do the, do the victim's families and law enforcement kind of have to toe here while they're looking into this? Because, look, this is her daughter. Uh, she went missing 17 years ago. Now there's a glimmer of hope. Maybe it was this guy. Maybe they can finally get some closure. Uh, but it's a far, uh, a far way off in the distance from getting there right now. Right, Scott? I mean, it's a, a lot to go to, to solve this still. No, oh, you're muted. Scott Duffy. That was not my fault, by the way. Not Scott. my fault. 
be great if Phil was muting Scott. <laughs> be awesome. It's a good one, Phil. He has the power. <laughs> so the um, are the Las Vegas uh, victims that are coming, or the victims' families, are these women missing, presumed dead? In other words, bodies have not been found? Um. Yes. In this case, the body was never found. In one yeah. of the other cases, a body was found, and it was found in a very similar manner, wrapped in plastic. Um, and that's what's leading some investigators to think, huh, maybe this is tied. Um, we also now have Detective Phil Ramos, who has a resume about the same length as Phil Waters. Uh, he's out of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. He was a homicide detective there. Uh, he infiltrated the Cuban mob. Guy's got wild stories. But anyway, he's uh, sniffing around a little bit. Um, we're going to have him. We had him on the show last night with you, Scott, and uh, he'll be coming back. But um, yes, in this case, the one I'm talking about right now, the body was not found. However, uh, in one of the cases of the three that I have here, the body was found wrapped. Yeah. So, the, you know, when you have a case like this, New York is worried about New York and that's that's their sole uh, responsibility is to the victims of New York and their jurisdiction. And and they've identified and arrested Rex. So anything else in these communities that uh, the defendant lived, visited for any period of time, the, uh, you know, but are similar because these are young women, perhaps in the, uh, the uh, sex worker trade, and and so have either gone missing, presumed dead, or have died and and have been recovered, and and those cases remain unsolved. So it, it, it is the good thing for these jurisdictions is they now get to um, to see if there's any striking similarities to say yes, this is uh, something we could go on. Um, and it seems like he killed close to home which shows that sense of, he, you know, he, if he travels to Las Vegas, he travels to South Carolina, to his other um, home, and he's there for a period of time and, and killing. It, there are going to be signatures. There are going to be MOs that are, that are similar, not just, you know, um, the way the body is found, but, but also we have these burner phones that seem to have, made these connections in New York. So why would he, um, why would he change up? And so if they can make those connections, you know, that even though these are drop phones, burner phones, whatever have you. And I know back in the old days when cell phones and I had worked clone phones, the, um, you know, now, now the burner phones, you, you, the people still leave their, their, um, Identify, you know, whether it be through an email, a credit card, or calling uh, phones that are connected to theirs. So, I would imagine that's what law enforcement is doing for the for the recovery, or for the recovered victims, that they're looking at. Hey, the way the body was was found, uh, they may have hair and DNA that are sitting on a shelf waiting, so they can do those connections. And, and look at these burner phones to see, was he using phones out west and, and down south and thereby try to make a connection 
to uh, treat the defendant. So those jurisdictions are definitely doing due diligence, uh, but it's also if they have nothing that they find strikingly similar to New York to tie to the defendant, then you know what what else can they do? So it, you know, and then you have families that are constantly contacting them to say, "Have you done this? Have you done that?" And you know, it it is tough. Hmm. Um. Phil, this comment made me think of you because I think that uh, I might get the Phil chuckle after this, and I don't mean this in a denigrating way to zero, but um, I don't think Las Vegas has the right geography marshes duck hunting for Hewerman to kill there. Now, if you're the lead investigator uh, on this case in Long Island, are you going to say to yourself, I'm ruling this out from Long Island because there are no marshes or duck hunting uh, out in Las Vegas, or are you going to look at every possibility, Phil Waters? Well, I'm going to look at every possibility because I enter every investigation objectively. And the problem is, because we don't know how they get to where they get. I guess some of this stuff was it a was it a uh, a clue, a Crime Stoppers call? I mean, how how did they even? Or the just people popping up and going, okay, we got somebody wrapped in plastic, and therefore. Yeah. I I think that uh, it's just part of the investigation. This I don't know the answer for sure, but I think that uh, they look back at his history. He was in uh, Las Vegas at this time, and they right. are uh, basically crisscrossing and uh, checking off cases, cold cases. Well, then that tells you they're doing they're doing what I would be doing. They're checking mm-hmm. out every possible clue. They're going down. I mean, some of these things are going to be rabbit holes, but uh, you've got to check them out. Um, Phil, I've asked you this before, not to cut you off, but I just did. I've asked you this before. I'm, this is, I, I'm like a sort of a de- half detail oriented, half not at all, but there's so many tentacles to this case. Like he was in Jersey, he was in Vegas. Uh, you know, you've got uh, sex workers, potentially other people. How are you, when you're, when you're investigating this, how are you literally keeping track of every like how do you keep your to-do list like do you i feel like detectives need to literally have like a flow chart on a wall and go and look and say okay here's vegas we got to look at this and this here's atlantic city we got to look like how do you keep track of everything well sometimes it does come to getting up on the board getting in a meeting having everybody that's involved in the investigation sitting there Put up what we've got, put up what we need, what are the goals, which direction we need to go. And people sitting in that room are going to be assigned for those specific tasks. So, yes, that does happen. And it may, and I would have no doubt that it's, it's happening in this particular case. So that's not uncommon because, look, there, there was never a case that I was involved in that I was the lead on or got the confessions that it didn't take a team effort by some very capable people that assisted in that investigation. And we all worked together to bring it to a successful conclusion. So um, in terms of making investigative decisions, you have the responsibility as being the lead in it to make those investigative decisions. What are the priorities here? What direction do we need to go? Do we need to eliminate this? Do we need to follow this up? So there are a lot of, of 
and experience and training is what gets you to that point where you can start making good investigative decisions. And all of us, if, if, if anybody, if any homicide detective tells you, or any detective for that matter, tells you they've never made a bad investigative decision, they're lying to. You know, I've had my share. And what I tried to do was, when I make that decision, I remember that. And I just say, look, if I come across this again, and this is in the mix, I do not want to make that decision again because it did not, it did not work out. And so you learn from all of these things, and that's what gives the ability to homicide detectives who are successful in what they do. Uh, it's, it's this learning experience. I always, I always wanted to learn something new every day. So that's what I, and I still, so I carried that through with me and I never got to the point where I just went, okay, we've done what I think we need to do. And this other stuff over here is just going to be a waste of time because I don't know that. Hmm. So, um, this is, this is all part of homicide investigations. Some of them are not this complicated. But the ones that are, I mean, look, I, I, I've had these kinds of cases where we were, like I've described, sitting in a conference room with a team of detectives, and I'm up on the whiteboard, and I'm saying, boom, 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 and here we go. And then they get they make their assignments, and then we all gather again together. What did you find out? Let's share, get it on the table here. And then that is either going to serve to eliminate those things that were done and found to be dead ends, or it's going to open up a whole new uh, trail of an active leak, of, of a new active leak. So uh, this stuff is not simple. I mean, it's it's uh, it can get quite complicated. And in a case like this, we're talking about that's a complicated case, and it may, and it may be a complication because of the possibility of a nationwide aspect of it. Phil, a case like this, are you working six days a week or five days a week? Well, it will, it's one of these that for that first period, it's going to be probably weeks, uh, you know, in a row with maybe a couple of days off. And then it will taper off. And then you start getting a structure about your investigation. You can't just haphazardly go, you know, okay, I'm going to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and get bed at midnight because that's, that's ridiculous. You'll burn yourself out. There has to be a point in time where there has to be some rest. And so that initial part is going to be hit hard. And then once that, those things that need to be done in that initial part of the investigation are done, now you can start framing an outline about prioritizing the investigative aspects. So it's going to be a, but to answer your question, it would depend on the investigation, of course. Uh, another Phil shirt could be, and here we go. Phil always says, and here we go. I love it. Um, it's like a UFC catchphrase, and here we go. Um, Scott Duffy, Phil uh, Waters just said uh, he has made 
at a time or two in his career a bad investigative decision. Have you ever made a single bad investigative decision, Scott Duffy? No. Of course not. <laughs> Good answer. Now, if, if Phil was interviewing me, I would be nodding yes, saying no. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> My body is going, of course, of course. And uh, many, many early on in the, and, and they did dissipate over time. But, but then, of course, you know, because I, every, you, 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 um, you develop your own pattern. You you develop your own sense of uh, this is the way I'm going to handle a case because it's worked, or if it didn't work before, you change. But um, you're all, you're of course we're we're human and laden with mistakes, and hopefully learn from those mistakes. But those mistakes are on paper as well too. So you know I've I've had to uh, defend myself on the stand with something stupid or something that was written, and you just you just. You just accept it for what it is, and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, it did not break the case, for sure. A mm. uh, couple of questions for you, Scott Duffy. Uh, Lucy Bell, these are interesting questions, and you're not a profiler, uh, but they're profiling questions, so I'm going to ask you anyway. Uh, is there a sense the killer's motive included a moral superiority punishing impetus quite specific to the victim's drug use and or occupations as sex workers? And then she goes on and says, in terms of the killer's profile, is there the likelihood he enacted his crimes in role plays with other sex workers before and after kills? Um, interesting questions. But do you think he was, in essence, punishing these women for the type of work they did? And was he even potentially role-playing uh, what he was going to do to either the women themselves or other women that he was going to engage with? Great questions. I wonder if Lucy has taken a criminology profiling class. Sounds um, like it. Sure, absolutely. There, th Those are being played into this, and there are profilers out there that have, you know, there are books that are written. There are manuals based upon where, where does where does all this come from? From research of uh, of individuals who have committed such crimes and have provided their motives, and then when you realize, oh, there's similar motives that are happening, that let's let's put them down on paper. So um, it's it's definitely a possibility. I've said before, and I know Phil has said before, with regards to motives, that lies alone with the person who is doing the act. It, it's it's in there, and um, unless they're providing an interview somewhere down the road. And I imagine when all is said and done, and if if Rex is convicted um, and is now sitting in jail, he will be visited by individuals that uh, would want to learn from him, right? There are always a little bit of a change or a nuance, but then it will either support a, a previous pattern of these type of killers. And so you have these sex workers, right? And, and so somebody absolutely could be targeting them. Uh, there, there's like this deep seated hate that goes on. I have this urge. I, I want drug use to be done with it. So I'll go kill or get rid of drug suppliers or go destroy drugs out there. Right. And, and I have this, this urge uh, of wanting to continually go out there and um, 
and be with uh, sex workers. And, and then you have your own sense of guilt. And, and so then you develop this, 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 this uh, sick way of, I'm going to go rid the world of sex workers. And, and then I'll no longer have the urge to be with a sex worker and I will have done good work, right? So there are these profiles out there. Um, and is it possible that, sure, it's, I'm sure it's already being discussed. He only, if, if he only targeted sex workers, um, you know, what, what is he trying to do here? Is he trying to rid himself of this urge to be with, uh, with prostitutes and sex workers, etc.? And if I get rid of them all, I'll no longer, uh, I'll rid the world of this, 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 um, this, this desire to have, you know, for other people. So it is, it's, there's definitely some good thought in there and it's definitely a possibility for a motive, but, um, but that lies to be seen, remains to be seen where he's going to have to be interviewed at some point down the road and uh, confirm or, you know, deny. Hmm. Um, we still, I still want to, I want to get Phil's take particularly on Rachel Moore. In one sec, Phil, I'm coming right to you. I'm not T-Pain says, Sometimes I don't know what we are talking about, but I just enjoy the ride. You know, that makes that makes two of us. I'm not. Too no, I'm the same. I'm the same way. There. <laughs> this is interesting. I I didn't know this actually, uh, Phil. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you a quote in a second. Raul Thomas says some of the victims' remains were found in Illinois. So did Rex drive to Vegas? That's a very that even complicates it more. But um, Phil Waters. This woman we've been talking about, Jesse Foster, who went missing 17 years ago, she was 21 years old when she went missing in the spring of 2006. Uh, she said that the mother said the daughter fell into human trafficking scheme and was forced to prostitute herself before vanishing. Her body has never been found. Uh, here's a quote from the mom. This isn't the first time this has happened, talking about hoping for justice. I've kind of learned over the last 17 years, I always get really hopeful. And then I try to say to myself, don't get too hopeful. You know, the higher you go, the farther you fall. Uh, Phil Waters, your response to any of this? Before I respond, to that, I'm still fascinated by this Wendy person that I do not know. <laughs> and what is the name of the show that she was on that has caused such consternation? I'm going to send you, it was my show, but I'm going to send you the link. It was from Tuesday evening, and I'm going to let you watch it in all okay. its glory. Yeah, please, gonna, please do. Please do. Yes, I'm going to let you watch it in all its glory. Um, look, I went. I went okay. to, oh, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I went to school in Boston. Um, I, I don't know how else to say this. Boston is a unique place. Jersey's a unique place where I'm from, but Boston, very passionate. She's a. Uh, you know, the daughter of uh, like a high-ranking firefighter. Uh, she's feisty. She's tough. Um, she's smart as hell. Uh, some people well, who are against her don't think I so. Am I am familiar with Boston. Uh, I chased crack dealers all through the ghettos there in Boston mm. with a friend of mine that was on the uh, anti-gang unit. And uh, I also had a, a Marine that worked for me when I was in the Marines. Uh mm who was uh, a, uh, his name was Joe Finn. Mm. Uh, it's a Boston and, name. Oh, awesome Boston name. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he and I got together if we got out of the ring. But anyway, so I am from, and my son-in-law, 
is from Boston. So I'm, I'm well familiar with Boston and, uh, and the kind of the vibe there, especially with uh, law enforcement. So forth. So, Ferrari dealer, Ferrari no, dealer. No, 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 that's a spam call. Sorry about that. I did not. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a Friday, Phil, if we didn't hear that. Well, um, you know, I mean, I really try to turn this crap off, and uh, I was so shook up about not being on time, I I uh, forgot. But all uh, good, all good. Yeah. So um, send me the send me the information on this Wendy person. I'm I'm going to do that. So so Phil, what do you think of this uh, this mom who's basically got this sort of potential hope, but it could be false hope. You don't know, but the mo seems to be similar in that it's. Uh, her daughter was, you know, as she said, uh, a victim of trafficking and forced into prostitution. Uh, he preyed on prostitutes. I mean, it is definitely a possibility. There is definitely a possibility that it could be connected, right? If he's there at this time and it's unsolved. Well, I can, I mean, the only answer I can give you is, you know, my heart goes out to her. I mean, this is, she said it herself, you know, boom, 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 boom. You're brought up to here with expectation. And all of a sudden, whoosh, you know, your feet are knocked out from under you. And you're, and, and the, the thing about cases like this and what I'm hearing about this mother and her experience is when, when she is encouraged that something may break and she's starting here and her expectations rise here. And then all of a sudden, those expectations are just taken away. She doesn't fall back to here. She falls to here. Mm. So it, and it, it's, it's, you know, one step forward and three steps back. And it is frustrating and it is hurtful because you are living in that moment. You're reliving that pain over and over again, and it keeps getting worse every time. So um, I, I understand exactly, I understand what is she, what she is saying. And, and I, I mean, who am I to even speculate or disagree with? So um, I, she's telling you what her experience is and no doubt in my mind, um, that this has been what is 17 years i think is what 17 yeah i mean that's true i mean if you can imagine if you can imagine losing your love and never knowing what happened to this is the one that nobody's been recovered right correct correct if you can put yourself in that place and think about you're losing that person 17 times every year, every year the anniversary comes around where that daughter of hers was reported missing or went missing, whatever the circumstances were, and no idea where she is. And you relive that every year. So she's going through that since from the time it happened, she's been through it 17 times. And then again, our expectations are here. They don't work out and they drop below where she started. So um, my, heart's go, my, you know, my heart goes out to her, prayers go out to her. I mean, that's just, it's horrible. And, and, 
and this is what having having spoken to victims' families along the same kind of trail, their conversation. Um, I can tell you this is what she thinks about every minute of every day. That's horrible. Um, Lindsay Shea says, Jersey and Boston, both unique and great. I would agree. I'm from Jersey and I live in Quincy, Mass now. So no one knows better than Lindsay Shea. Um, so Scott Duffy, and then we'll, we'll move over to Rachel Morn in a minute. So I, I, these names are important. Jesse Foster, her body was never discovered. Then there's another woman. Jody Brewer, whose body was never discovered, and then a fourth, a third woman, Victoria Kamara. But with Jody Brewer, she's the second one here. Um, <clears throat> she disappeared, Scott, in 2003. Uh, the Las Vegas Las Vegas police did come out and make a statement, um, and they said, and I quote: "We are aware of Rex Hurman's connection to Las Vegas. We are currently reviewing our unsolved cases to see if he has any." Uh, involvement and uh, the mother again was quoted here on uh, in in um, this case of Jody Brewer saying it's the timing in the area and the similarities to other victims of his the only difference with all of the women from Gilgo Beach and other women found from Las Vegas is Jesse's body has never been found so another one whose body um, has never been found. Uh, what about that one aspect, Scott Duffy? Uh, these bodies obviously, you know, found on Gilgo Beach, but we don't know. There could be a lot more victims even on Long Island that we just don't know about that were never found. So the fact that this body wasn't found doesn't mean it's not Rex Hewerman, right? Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, so ima imagine the bodies that are found and there are similar... Uh, or there are similarities, a sex worker or uh, something similar that to the Gilgo Beach victims. And so thereby, you know, whether families or law enforcement are looking at the saying, are they connected? Um, and, and to then think about every similar victim who is missing, never been recovered, presumed dead, the, the, and there's nothing to go on. Um, so, I mean, that's just heartbreaking, but it's also there's, yeah, you, you put out a statement saying we're looking at possible connections, but th that doesn't, when you don't have a body, you don't have anything more to go on. And so you can only hope because, you, again, here you have burner phones and whatnot that, you know, the cellular analysis teams are looking to see if if there are possible connections and and uh, but it I think it will still come down to like any other individual where you know you even go back to the Ted Bundys where ultimately he was put to death and there are still unsolved cases that that uh, will forever be thought of as being connected to him, but never resolved. And there's a lot of families that won't have closure. So hopefully in this regard, if there is a conviction where there will be a, a come to Jesus moment and say, hey, this is the time now. Do you want to bring closure to so many families elsewhere? 
and including possible victims in the Gilgo Beach area who have not been recovered. So it's it's, it's a long, painstaking process, and and um, you know that's 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 the way these things happen, and uh, it's it's just t- time. You know, everybody wants to bring closure immediately, but you know. Gilgo Beach has to happen. The prosecution has to happen. And then hopefully the the successful conclusion that is a conviction and then and then start to get more answers. Uh, this is a first as far as I remember from Jan or Jan, not sure. By the way, hello from Yokohama, which is Japan. Wow. So welcome to you. And uh, then we've got a happy birthday, Phil, from another Texan. But then there was another, uh, ah, and look at this, and Belfast, and then we've got Iowa. We've literally got the world covered. So uh, welcome to everybody. Love that it's a global show. Uh, Phil, one, one more victim. I want to mention these names because, again, it's important. Uh, her name is Victoria Camara, or Camara. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, like a Camaro, but with an A at the end. Um, the cousin, her cousin spoke out. Uh, she did an exclusive interview with News 12 reporter Tara Rosenblum. Shout out to Tara Rosenblum, who has an open invite on my show. Uh, the cousin said, and I quote, uh, Victoria Camara was thrown out like a piece of trash in the desert. It's terrible. It's kind of like when you first hear it's unbelievable. It feels like a lifetime uh, movie. And they, she went on to say that this uh, young woman, Victoria, uh, she spent months living at her Bergen County home, at the cousin's home in Bergen County, New Jersey, because uh, she had a life of trauma. Uh, her her dad was out of the picture. Kamara's mom was in the throes of drug addiction. She had no stable environment. And so she turned to a life of prostitution. And she believes that her story here was cast aside because she was a sex worker. But Phil Waters, the MO is the same. Um, and it's really sad. These are uh, people living on the fringes of society, going through really difficult times. They, you know, they need a way to support themselves. They turn to prostitution and then uh, accused killers like Rex Huerman prey on them. But the M.O. kind of fits here. Right. So another curious example where they would probably uh, have to do their due diligence, uh, meeting investigators. Well, yes. And they've got to be careful here. Um because you have similarities does not mean you have the same suspect. I, and I, I'll hearken back to Henry Lee Lucas and uh, O'Toole, the guy that he was running around the country with. And uh, Henry Lee, he killed, he started off killing his mom, I think, when he was 16, if I remember right. But uh, he, he confessed to scores. He and, and, he and uh, I think it was Otis O'Toole. But they, they confessed to scores of murders of these women in, in several different states. And the problem was then that when they started this, this confession thing, law enforcement got all in on this stuff way too soon. And when they started getting into the details of all of, of many of these murders they confessed to, they they didn't do them. 
they were doing this purely for the notoriety. They had the Texas Rangers squiring them around all over the freaking place, uh, going to these scenes, and they were just reiterating something that they read in the paper or talked to you know talked to some of their boys there in the in the prison unit and whatever. So you got to be careful going down this road and trying to attach a bunch of similar looking, uh, and that's what. That's what the investigators, that's what the investigation should show. And so you've got to be careful to go down that road and just try to throw every case that has some similarities to it in the basket with this particular evildoer as a suspect. And I want to say one other thing here very quickly, and I've talked about this before. The word closure has been used two or three times, and I'm not saying this is a criticism. I'm just saying that I never used the word. Because it's not, there is no way that that will ever occur. And I've had people walk up to me at scenes crying, I want closure. I need closure. And I will tell every one of them, and I've told every one of them, you'll never get that. Because the part of your life that's been carved out by an act of violence on your loved one will never be closed. There might be a scab there. There might be a scar but it will never be closed. And the best that I could offer them was not closure, but the best that I could offer them was finding the right person who's done the wrong thing, bringing them to some measure of justice, and hopefully bringing about some peace for those families and those friends of those victims. So uh, I know that that's the word that's used, the media uses it. Law enforcement gets in bad habits, in my opinion, of using words that sound good in a 15-second soundbite. And um, the same thing with persons of interest. I've never looked for a person of interest. I've always looked for suspects. And uh, these words that come about that, that tend to minimize what we are doing what the mission is. We want to be a softer, gentler, whatever. Well, screw that. You know, if you're a suspect, you're a possible suspect. And that's how I'm approaching it. I'm not looking for some person of interest. If I'm interested in you, you're a suspect. So um, I'll get off my soapbox about that, but it just irritates. If you want to know something that does irritate me, that does. And I cringe every time I see guys in media. Chiefs, detectives getting up there and saying persons of interest and closure. It just it, it disturbs me. So, okay, I'm done. I digress. Now, what was the question? I love it. I already forgot. And the COE took the comment down to put up this comment from Felicia, which says, preach, Phil. Do not use the word closure. I think I did by mistake, even though I know you Well, Scott did too. And I will tell you other things, Scott. You, Scott. So you're gonna you're gonna fade some heat because you talked about coming to Jesus. So just get ready for it, brother. Yeah, Scott, how dare you do that? I did that, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the question was. Uh, and look at Baker Canner says, when you lose a child, there is no closure ever. Um, I thank God have not experienced that. My mother has experienced that. Um, She's probably the closest thing I've seen to closure. She was uh, able to move on. Uh, I don't know how, but uh, she was able to move on. Scott Duffy, I saw your index finger point up in the air. Did you have a comment to follow up on? 
No, I was I was accepting responsibility. I did use that term. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Um, so a few more quick things, and I want to get to Rachel Moore for the very tail end. Um, Scott Duffy, Rex Hewerman is now off suicide watch. Uh, quote unquote, mental health staff at the jail have made the determination to remove Rex Hewerman from suicide watch. At this time, Sheriff Errol Toulon Jr. said in a statement, uh, he said he continued uh, continues to be evaluated periodically as housing and security protocols have not changed. Um, he's requested religious services, reading material, and has had a visitor other than his lawyer. However, uh, we don't know who that visitor is. Does any of this stand out to you? Religious services, two visitors, uh, one was a defense attorney, the other we don't know. Uh, next court date, September 27th. Anything stand out there? The fact that he's not on a, on a suicide watch. Good sign, bad sign. Does it sound like he's more stable, maybe? Uh, maybe. I, I mean, I, w- I would imagine that there are protocols for anyone that has not been through the system that is, and I'm going to use quotation marks here, a upstanding member of the community in people perceived to be and um and then all of a sudden finds themselves in in the opposite environment right and and so i would imagine jails across the country have protocols that say hey this is somebody who could uh uh do do harm to themselves so we'll put them on a suicide watch i'm not sure if there's anything that's been said that he indicated that is Rex indicated, "Hey, I'm gonna go and uh, kill myself, and I'm um, I'm really feeling sad here." So I'm not I'm not sure if it if it if that was a protocol done because of the type of individual that he was in the community, and and then all of a sudden finding himself in the spotlight of a uh, potentially quadruple and more homicide investigation. So the um, uh, so it doesn't surprise me that, okay, he has not shown any overt signs. Um, the jail doesn't want to be responsible for for not doing due diligence and putting him uh, on a suicide watch. And I, and I think that ultimately means taking things from his possession and, 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 and being under very close watch. And now, now that some time has gone by, okay, we can uh, loosen things up here a little bit. So I, I just see it as this is the next step and uh, m- maybe he's taking some some ownership of, of things here and, and getting used to jail. Uh, hey, Mona, comment. this was a comment from earlier that uh, COE took down and I forgot, but uh, it's a good comment. I wonder if in the umpteen countries that prostitution is legal, if there are as many dangers and crimes, uh, I was just in Budapest, Hungary, where there is legal prostitution. Um, and I just interviewed Greg McCrary from the FBI, uh, but he covered a uh, notorious serial killing case from Austria that had ties to Los Angeles. A guy named Jack Unterweger. It's under our Surviving My uh, Biggest Cases under the regular video tab if you want to watch it. It's a wild story. Um, he had been in prison for murder, got out. He kind of rehabilitated himself, but, uh, turned out he was out killing prostitutes in a very morbid, 
horrible way, uh, using their bras to strangle them. Uh, and Greg McCrary was on that case. He entered, Greg McCrary entered the FBI in 1969. And uh, he is an amazing storyteller, uh, an amazing investigator, and he tells that story. So at least in that period of time, it didn't seem to be a lot safer in Austria. Uh, one last thing, uh, Phil Waters, Rex Huerman, it now turns out, because people are doing deep dives into his history, uh, he has uh, been repeatedly uh, involved in lawsuits accusing drivers of injuring him in automobile accidents. Uh, he has also had issues with uh, Uncle Sam and the IRS. Uh, between 2014 and 2022, he filed four lawsuits in New York courts, <clears throat> four lawsuits toward drivers who he mentioned had hit him with their vehicles, inflicting, quote unquote, severe and everlasting private accidents. Uh, and then, as I said, uh, not paying taxes in a timely manner, being fined. Uh, if you're investigating this case, do, does this, do you look into this? Does it matter? Well, sure. This is all part of, uh, I say repeatedly, uh, a psychological autopsy. Yeah, you want to know what makes this guy tick. And and look, the, the in, in regards to the the discussion about illegalities or legalities of, of prostitution and that kind of thing. Uh, there is no cause and effect between illegal prostitutes and legal prostitutes in terms of what they're doing that may result in these murders because it's that's not really the problem here. So uh, that is, whether it's legal or illegal, is a high-risk lifestyle. And you are going to be meeting those people that are in that industry, that job, if you will. Uh, they're not going to be meeting the best people in society, number one. And so there's the risk. It's a high-risk lifestyle. We see it over and over again. And you get these people like this particular guy who I think you're going to find out somewhere along the line, there's something that has happened with him and either sexual frustration or what he sees or perceives and right and wrong regarding the way women conduct their business. But there's going to be some deep seated thing going on there. There always is these serial killers. There's always something either they didn't get along with mom or mom abused them, something weird that has brought them along in this pattern of behavior. So uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's really not simple. It's very complicated to explain this stuff. And in this particular case, they're going to have to follow where the, where this autopsy takes them and with this guy. And so it's, we're going to find some, and this, the fact that he's involved in law, he doesn't like to be wrong. He thinks that, when I'm just speculating here, but it appears to me when you're talking about these lawsuits and I got hit by an Uber, he he's one of these people that is walking around waiting for someone who is in some kind of a, appears to me, in some kind of a service industry is providing a service 
And when he doesn't get treated in the manner that he thinks he should be treated, which is always relative, right, to the person subjectively looking at it, then his response is, I'm going to file a lawsuit. I'm going to make sure that they get right, and the only way they can get right is to give me money. So I'd be curious to know not only the number of lawsuits that he has filed, but how many of those did he win? Did he actually receive remuneration of some kind as a result of the reason behind the lawsuit? That I've been, I'm more curious about that than I am about the number of lawsuits he's filed. What you said is interesting that uh, he, you know, he expects a lot from service workers. And then you think of uh, sex workers and uh, they are in the service industry. So uh, direct correlation there. And uh, maybe has an unbelievable disdain if we're going to get, you know, Freudian about this for some reason related to uh, service workers. And that's the ultimate punishment that he can inflict. And who are, who are the people that he was filing lawsuits against? He said. Cab driver, Uber driver. Cab driver, different types of drivers. There were auto accidents. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Uber driver, cab driver, I think, and Uber says, "Yeah." So um, maybe he got, maybe he got uh, offended by a prostitute in an Uber or a cab. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not being facetious. No, I know I'm, you're not. I'm just telling you that these things are always connected in some weird way. Yeah, and mm -hmm. if he. He doesn't think like we think. He doesn't. He doesn't think in in logical ways about how to treat people. He sees something that happens, and he and he and every time something similar happens, he associates it with that particular incident, whatever started this thing. So, prostitutes, cab drivers, whatever the wrong was. And it now happens with consistency in his mind. Here it is again. But again, I, I'm more curious about how many of those lawsuits he won than I am about the number that he filed. Hmm. Uh, I pulled this comment up for Phil more than Scott because I know this is going to irritate Phil to some degree. Uh, seriously, Scott cannot get any nicer. And bam, he does something that trumps his last act words of kindness. Um, Phil, Scott cannot get any nicer. Either can you, Phil? Really? People just don't. Well, you know, I, I, you know, in the, in the words of that great philosopher, Popeye, I am what I am. So, uh, you know, and again, it, it, I mean, I had a lieutenant that brought me in just a little story here. I had, I had a lieutenant that brought me in, uh, to his office and he was concerned about there were some people in the division that didn't like me. And uh, and what I told him was, I said, I don't really care. Uh, the people that do, they do. And the people that don't, they don't. And I'm not going to try to manipulate myself or reform myself into trying to make everybody happy because it's not possible. So I try, I, I try my best to be honest. I try to be respectful. I try to be polite, but I'm going to be straightforward and I'm going to be, sometimes the honesty will be brutal. 
but you will never have a question about where I stand. And if those that don't like that, well, okay. Like I've said before, I still love you. I'm still praying for you. So there you Phil go. Phil Waters, we don't want you to change a bit. Christina <laughs> K says, I love Phil and Scott both, uh, followed by Phil is sweet too and the birthday boy. Uh, what's, what's not to like? So plenty of love uh, for Phil Waters as well. Um, well, I said and, all that, of course, for those people that I know that will get them going. So there you go. That's, that is my reverse birthday gift to them. There you go. And, and Felicia echoes you. That's right, Phil. I am what I am. Uh, great Popeye. Um, people now want this, Phil, uh, the Phil and Wendy show. Uh, oh, look, look. I actually think they'd get along, to be honest. I have not seen that. I, I tell you what, I, I just, I am so curious. I can't wait to see this stuff. Yeah, I, I'm going to send it to uh, you. Because, uh, wow. Yeah. Um, Chelsea Whitaker says the panty waddlers. Uh, well, it's actually the, the panty waters. Yeah. They get the <laughs> panties in a wad. So there you in go. But, uh, but I, I, do, I do appreciate the, uh, the comment. And by the way, for those who are about to yell at me that Phil's getting, once again, more airtime, Scott Duffy was on the show last night, and we talked about this at the beginning because – Phil Waters was late because he's buying his third, fourth, and fifth Ferrari. But this is an important story, and I want to get both these guys' uh, take, but we haven't heard from Phil on this at all. So, Phil, I don't know how well you know the story. Rachel Morn, 37-year-old mother of five. She goes out on a hike on a Maryland trail. She is bludgeoned to death by reports with a rock. We don't know if that is, in fact, the murder weapon. It is so bad that the right side of her face is basically gone. Uh, one of the alleged people who helped find her said there's no way there could be an open casket. She has uh, five children with three different fathers. She had a boyfriend. So, of course, uh, the court of public opinion were to blame, too. Uh, we were questioning the boyfriend who has a very lengthy rap sheet. Uh, we were questioning the guy who allegedly helped find her because he was an odd character. But then police hold a press conference last night, Bill Waters. Uh, it was not the sheriff himself. It was Colonel William Davis of the Hartford County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Scott has mentioned he's worked with that uh, sheriff's office. They got some DNA. They analyzed this DNA through the Maryland State Police Lab. They ran it through CODIS, and it matched an un unidentified person who was involved in a home invasion uh, and assault, a sexual assault of a young girl in Los Angeles back in March. Um, the guy who they have, uh, COE, I don't know if you can do this cause I know you're doing 10 other things, but if we have that video or stills of this guy, it'd be great. So this guy is in his twenties, five foot nine, 160. Look at this. Look how fast she does this. That's the guy in question, Phil. This is, uh, from the Los Angeles incident back in March. Uh, we watched this live last night. He's considered to be someone in his twenties, five foot nine, 160 pounds. Hispanic background. Uh, questions came up. Could he be a gangbanger? Well, there's no tattoos. That was noted. Um, looks like he has a military haircut. There's a military base not far from this in Maryland and not far from where he was in L.A. Uh, this is a killer now, uh, an alleged killer. Police say he's a killer who's out on the loose. Uh, you're the lead investigator on this, Phil Waters. What are you doing? 
right now? Well, my first question is, why was Scott on a show by himself and I wasn't there? Um, it was a last minute thing because we had a live press conference <laughs> and he wasn't alone. He was with three other people, uh, with the Maryland. Even, 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 even more of a question. Yeah. And I also knew Phil. Well, I mean, say, is Scott, is, is, were you propagating Scott cheating on me? Is that the deal? A little bit, a little bit, but I should have gotten your blessing, Phil. We will have to talk about that after we're finished today. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, I've seen that. I've seen. I've seen all. And I've. And I, in fact, I commented on Court TV uh, when this thing first happened uh, yeah. about a week or so ago, uh, or a couple weeks ago, actually. And I said at the time when we were talking about it here was I would be surprised if the suspect ends up not being someone in her inner circle or close to her. So with this revelation, I got to tell you. I'm surprised. Mm. So, which just lets people know that you have to let the evidence lead you where you need to be. And I've had cases where I was surprised because I had already come to a conclusion. And then I got a piece of evidence that suddenly took me in a completely different direction. So, uh, and, and, and I, I like, I like that when that happens sometimes, but in this particular case, this DNA link from a case in Maryland to a case in LA, that's very interesting. So how many, so the question will become how many, and I think the case in LA though wasn't a murder, right? It was an assault. Am an I assault. right? An assault. An assault. Uh, here's the actual video. Right. And now, now play that back. So what, what SDS Nation noticed right away, play that you'll see a, a, a little hand close the door. Right. right, right. So everyone said, who is this person? And uh, Scott Duffy and Phil Ramos, a detective from Vegas, astutely said, that's probably the person, the young girl that he was assaulting, who was just happy to get rid of him. Is that how you see it, Phil? Oh, sure. I, I mean, who else would it be? Uh, so it's, it's, I mean, just looking at this, when I saw what, before you even started talking about it, when I saw what happened, I went, oh my gosh. He's done what he did, and now she's uh, she's escorting him to the door. Look, he's backing out of the door. He didn't open the door and walked out, and I don't know what that reason is. It is he doesn't want her. He's looking to see where she is. There's no telling what the dialogue was there, what he may have said to her as he departed, and so that's a very interesting video. The fact that his DNA is found in Maryland, with Rachel is even more puzzling. And do we have, so now it begins with, how do we connect these two cases? What is his activity in LA? Is he in Maryland all the time? Was he visiting? You know, so now we've got to start putting together a timeline for this particular suspect, this possible suspect that we have. And was he seen at any point in time in that area at the time that Rachel went down that trail. Um, th there's that, uh, I think it's the bar and grill across the, the uh, street there from the entrance to that trail, if I'm not mistaken, were there cameras on that in that, in that bar? And if there are, 
we need to be on there looking at those cameras, looking at those videos to see if this guy is present on those videos. So this opens up a whole new uh, box of investigative aspects and active leads. So uh, it is it is fascinating to me when something like this happens because when it comes out of the blue like that, that is a very, very strong affirmative link that the guy you're looking at in Maryland is going to be the guy that they're looking at in L.A. And so how does he get from L.A. to Maryland? And so it's, uh, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I think it's it's um, it's some good police work. I mean, these guys, the detectives are hitting the, you know, hitting the bricks on this thing and they're they're turning everything over they can. And now here we get this link. So, uh, wow, this is this is really cool. This these are the kind of investigations that I just get excited about because this is I, I love watching these things unfold because it tells me these detectives are on it. And um, yeah, this is this is good stuff here. And Scott, yes, Scott, do you um, watching his video the way he leaves? Is it your impression that he knows there's a camera there and he's purposely concealing his identity by backing out? And also, that's question number one. Number two is, we don't know if this is LAPD or the LA Sheriff's Office, but what what is the politics between uh, a jurisdiction in Maryland and Los Angeles? Are they gonna are they gonna play nicely together to try to solve this, or are there politics in play? I, I, I think the politics are definitely set aside, especially since we see an escalation. Um, it's whoever gets this person identified and arrested is everybody's going to be totally on board as one. And, and there's no doubt in my mind that uh, that everybody's on board as one. Right. In, in other words, whoever has something to offer, offer it and and. Um, Put aside egos and politics, um, and and with regards to I, my initial thought is this person uh, is backing out and looks and is and purposely looks away from the camera, so we're not seeing a good image. Um, but that makes some assumptions that the person came in that way, and. And so where's the camera shot of the person coming in, if that's true? So I'm, there, there are some things. We only have what we have. And so it's hard to make a speculation of why does this person back out and go away? And then, and I have a ring camera. So my camera's pointing um, the other way. This one is pointing towards the entrance of the stairs. So it'd be interesting to see, is there some sort of... Uh, wall or something when when you come out that's the only way you can go out uh towards the stairs as opposed to is this a, a porch or a patio that has a left and a right so it, it, there it begs more questions but this is what we have and this is what they're showing um i would imagine that they're you know that law enforcement in la has grabbed other ring cameras or security as he makes a right you know and there are other images of him possibly getting into a vehicle or something um mm. so i i have questions as to why just this 
shot being shown of him. Yeah, this fascinates me, as I said last night, because you got Phil and Scott who are literally looking at this and their investigative brains are turning. And I want to be in there to understand what they're looking at. But uh, Phil, Denise Adams says, don't they take military members DNA upon enlistment? A lot of people are under the impression maybe he is uh, military. When you see this guy, Phil Waters, right now, uh, the very little that you see of him, what can you read into someone said he might have cauliflower ears so he could be a fighter his ears look weird he has what appears to be a military haircut are you looking at this video like that phil or you think we're crazy well whether i think you're crazy or not is immaterial to this video but mm -hmm. uh Thank the yeah the, uh, the military haircut thing I, look I was on a gang murder squad, and I can tell you that there were many, many of these types of guys that had haircuts just like that. That's just a low fade, high fade. Uh, it's not It's not what I would call. Look, I was in the Marines. I wore high and tights. I would not call that a military-style haircut. So uh, that's just my opinion based on my observations of this. So, I mean, it's possible. It's possible. You know, I mean, maybe, you know, he's a, you know, he's in some sort of uh, military uh, function or has been at some point in time. And, and he, you know, he likes to get his hair cut where he looks like a, uh, you know, like a Q-tip. I don't know. But uh, I think here that, that, you know, talk about what Scott was talking about, about why we're only seeing this clip. You, I got to believe that we've got the entrance into this place, right? Um, and then where does he go? And is there any um, video throughout this neighborhood that you can track him? I had a case where that was exactly the case. I had the guy on video walking through the neighborhood. So, um, and I'm sure they've looked at a lot of it. And look, when they were, when, when, at least in my experience, when I released things to the public, there was a purpose behind it. And I was careful about releasing enough without compromising the investigation. So that may be what's happening here. And look, it may be the fact that, although they could do it, that he's walking up to the door with her and they do not want to reveal any of her presence there because they don't want to divulge who she is. And so I, I kind of understand what they may be doing here, but I would think, you know, the door looks, unless doors are like this in this entire, you know, community, kind of thing but you know there are some distinctions about the the uh the architecture here on the house but um i think they're playing it close to the vest for a couple two or three reasons and um and they're moving forward with it so it's like i said i'm fascinated with cases like this i can't wait to see what the next what the next step is what the next revelation is in this thing
Uh, Phil, what kind of burden, you're the lead investigator on this case, what kind of burden is it on your shoulders to know that every minute that passes, this guy who's escalated, as Scott and I talked about, could go out and potentially kill another woman? Well, it's huge. I mean, you know, I mean, in terms of you want to get this bad guy off the street as soon as possible, but you can only control what you can control. And so, you, again, you just you hit the ground, you hit the bricks running and you move as fast and, and effectively and efficiently as you can. Because uh, it, it, it is about getting this guy in custody. Now, I've had a couple of cases Remember that the, the only thing you need to make an arrest is probable cause. You do not have to put your entire case into an affidavit to get an arrest warrant. And I have been in discussions with prosecutors who wanted to try the case sitting in a discussion of it with my request for a warrant. Well, we don't have we don't have this. We don't have that. Are you kidding me? We have the probable cause to make the arrest, and I was able to develop relationships with those prosecutors. And some of them would say it to me, and you're going to make this case better. We're going to give you the warrant, but you're going to make this case better. Yes, I am, and I was able to do that. So they trusted me that I was going to be able to take it beyond and get this thing. Uh, brought to a successful prosecution, give that information. So, um, and then I, and sometimes I would say to them, we need to get this person off the street now, especially if we knew where they were. And it needs to be done. And do you want to, and I would ask, do you want to fade that heat? Really? Do you want that question to be asked? That we didn't take action when we could because we, we were concerned about some expectation later. And so we got cold feet. I was always ready to, let, let's get it done. Let, let's get this person done. Let's get them off the street. And uh, and then, of course, I get them in the interview room and so forth and so on. But, um, yeah, yeah, there is a, to answer the question, yes, there is a burden of a kind on the detectives especially when we have this link and guy two different places committing acts of violence uh, against women that yeah this guy needs to be and because we don't know what he's done in between we don't know what he's done in between la and maryland and so as these there may be other cases that start popping up well there's a similar case out of texas phil uh a week ago i believe a 10 or 11 year old girl was assaulted in the same fashion people think that could be tied uh texas is between here uh, between maryland and um obviously la um this comment is interesting here scott duffy from lucy bell unusual ear lord dosis i guess that's cauliflower ear maybe wears a necklace has something in his pocket they're watching his video Yes, uh, Modine, uh, the world's greatest troll who uh, periodically has great comments. His right hand is either a push-off or a tap, like a fist bump to say goodbye. Uh, there was another comment um, somewhere down here that was 
Oh, here we go. From Brigid right here. There's some interaction between his right hand and her left. She hands him something, I think. Scott Duffy, how many times are investigators watching this video and how important could these little tiny clues potentially be? Or is it nothing at all? No, there. Well, the video gives you gives the investigator um, the questions to ask of the victim. Remember, we do have a victim in this case who's who is alive, and 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 my, my take is here is it's been reported. We don't know the age of the victim, other than you know young. So if it is a juvenile, um, you know that that uh, brings brings forth a whole bunch of other factors into this case. Um, we are told, right, that it's at, at least listening to the press conference, it's a home invasion. It doesn't, and we're, and so we're making assumptions that a home invasion is forced entry as if, it, you know, drug dealers, gangbangers entering into a home of a stranger and, and robbing and et cetera. So that's the, that we're making assumptions of a, of a home invasion being of that sort as opposed to it's very possible this, this individual used false pretenses whether it be through some sort of app, some sort of internet connection here, um, makes his way over to, to the home, or as Phil had said, perhaps him and the victim are walking up and, and, and he is using some sort of force to get into the house um, and, and, and then, of course, leaves her be after committing the assault, the crime, and then exiting. So we don't know what takes place immediately afterwards. She she obviously quite happy that he's gone. The threat is gone. Um, and so um, law enforcement is looking at that video and and then and then asking all the questions. Hey, he, there's something either lighted or something that's reflective in the pocket. What could that be? She she, she could very well tie those pieces here that are not not part of the press conference that came out yesterday. It could be a phone, it could be an object, it could be a, a weapon. Um, if in fact it looks like something was provided from her to him or vice versa, that question is being asked by law enforcement. And they're going to go through the video with the victim to say, do you see what we're seeing to help jog her memory? Remember, she's victim of a crime, so it's very possible that her, her recollection of things are all over the map and a very traumatic event. So it, it will... It will. Uh, um, there, there are answers to those questions because of that video and because of the responses by the victim. So, um, absolutely, you know, kudos to everything. There, there are things you can see in a video that investigator may not see. Oh, I, I missed that, and that's why they, that's why they keep playing it over and over and trying to figure out what have they missed that pertinent to to solving the crime. Mm. Well, I don't get the sense in that video that he left in an adversarial way. Mm. So I, I would, I would say it looks to me as though it was a, I don't know, if it was a fist bump, but it may have been a hand squeeze or something like. But it looked to me to be maybe some sort of uh, display, and I'm going to use the term because it kind of applies to quotes around it, kind of term, of, you know, like a, 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 a affection toward him. Because whoever this victim is, my sense is just watching this and the way he's leaving, he's not leaving because he's upset or angry or, or trying to get out of it. Uh, she's right there. She put, He puts his hand up, 
and it looks like he's responding to her because you see her hands come down. So my sense is just seeing this, that whoever this victim is must have had a tremendous amount of self-control and composure to save her life, to get this guy out of that house where he doesn't feel threatened by her. And so, you, I mean, he, he's not running, you know, he's just, you know, here we go. He comes out, he backs out. They do the little hand thing and then he just walks off. So, um, uh, just what I'm seeing here, I just have to comment that I think that's a very brave young lady there behind that door. Mm. Uh, Phil Waters, uh, and we'll get back to that comment, COE. Uh, can we please cover 11-year-old murdered and sexually assaulted uh, in Pasadena, Texas, a memorial for Maria Gonzalez tonight? This is the case I was talking about. Um, the... M.O., uh, and, and look, uh, we had Detective Phil Ramos, who's covered a gazillion cases out of Las Vegas. He said, unfortunately, these types of crimes happen very frequently. But again, Phil, um, are you looking at this case in Pasadena because of the fact that it happened a week ago, um, which was a little bit, it would it would be after um, Rachel Moore. Rachel Moore happened uh, August 5th into August 6th, and this happened a week ago, so it'd be almost a week after the Rachel Morton case, but are you calling investigators in Pasadena, Texas to see if there's any similarities? Well, sure. I mean, when you have things pop up, but the problem is, uh, Rex is right. I mean, these things happen with great frequency, so this is, uh, you know, you, you look at these patterns of behavior. We don't know the age of the one here on the video, of course, uh, we know that this this uh, uh, this young young girl in uh, Pasadena. You know she was eleven. So, but you have to do again your due diligence. You, if if there appears to be any kind of a connection, then you have to make that phone call and you have to start comparing notes. What was that scene? What did that scene look like? Here's what we've got here. Here's this other scene, and start seeing what the similarities are and start either putting those things together or start eliminating parts of it that aren't consistent with each other. So, uh, of course, of course, this is something you want to, you want to follow up on if there's enough there that would lead you in that direction. Uh, I am not T pain says there was a potential suspect in the Pasadena, Texas crime. We'll see how that played out. I thought Lordosis might be, uh, Cauliflower ears, uh, it's a structural anterior pelvic tilt to show you how much I know about anything. Um, people says he has uh, bowed legs, bow-legged. Um, Got to let these guys start to go. Uh, I can't even go through the bio again. Phil Waters, 373 years in law enforcement. He looks great for uh, 370. Uh, he ha is having a midlife crisis, getting multiple Ferraris. Oh no! Let me let me correct you there. Well, you're 373, so I never had a midlife crisis. Hmm. I just never grown up. So what's hmm. the what's the what's the big difference between boys and men? The price of their toys. Hmm. That's all. I love it. 
I never, you know, I've never heard that until until right now. Never heard. That. No, no midlife crisis, my friend. Hmm. I'm more the uh, Aston Martin guy. I told the COE. Um, I do like Aston Martins. Yeah. I'm not a car guy either, but I told the COE upon hearing about Phil's Ferrari purchases, I said if I was going to get a badass car, I'd get an Aston Martin. But I want like a like a an older one, like James Bond style, where he's driving through the cobblestone streets. Um, Scott Duffy is, uh, he was in the FBI for 493 years, uh, put away 10,000 people. Uh, he was also a police officer in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He's also now a, pro- imagine having Scott with that sultry voice being your professor. Uh, imagine that. Um, Scott Duffy, Tiff Knox uh, says, has the FBI been asked to step in? When would the FBI get involved here uh, if it's crossing state lines? It's a good question. Uh, your final thoughts on this case? N- knowing those counties and in and close proximity. <laughs> look at, sorry, look at the yeah. COE's comment. Put more money in your screw the kids. <laughs> screw the kids. I got to have fun before my time is up. You know, I, I would I agree. Want my That's kids where to I'm go at. to college. I want my kids to Jeff Bezos it. He didn't go to school. He dropped See, that, that's why you have to start early with this stuff, Joel, because uh, uh, yeah. I was buying Corvettes and Jeeps and Lexus. And I, so I've been doing that all my life. You have to maintain a pattern of behavior to make this all work out, to make this all work out. Very, very smart. I, I want my kids working now, at nine, seven, and four. Why? They sit home all day, all summer long. They should be working, earning money. That's what I tell them get a job. I say there's two types of people, people that shop at Target or the guy who creates Target. Be the one that that that, that builds Target and get out there instead of shopping. There. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Uh, Scott Duffy, your final thoughts. I, I would say the FBI is absolutely involved in mm. the Maryland case. You do, you would. Um, and, and are they going to... Um, are they going to catch this guy? And if so, uh, you think it's it's going to be a while because this guy is so random? No, I don't think it's going to be a while. I think I think it's uh, they are going to catch him, and and you now you now have uh, you're across two different coasts. You're you're you have a lot of resources now going to find this individual, and uh, so all hands on deck. I I don't think a stone will not be unturned. It's uh, all hands on deck on this one. Mm. Uh, Jeanette Howard became a YouTube member. Got to love her for that. Look at this. Out of nowhere, uh, many minutes later, love that you and your wife, Phil, are art patrons. Uh, it doesn't well, My room here, uh, I have my own little art gallery. In fact, I'm having a, a cool wood table made for me. And this guy is fantastic. He is an artist. It's amazing what he is going to do. And, what, what what kind of art are you into, Phil? Well, here I'm into uh, Hawaiian art. Uh, in Texas, I'm into uh, cowboy art, hmm. Western art. You know what? I have stuff for you if I can find it. My, oh, um, I do have upstairs. I do have just to have a taste of Texas here, which is also my favorite restaurant in Houston, by the way. Best steak in the world. Uh, but just to have a little taste of Texas here, I do have a Frederick Remington bronze uh, called Coming Through the Rye. So it's pretty cool. It's sitting upstairs on the uh, living room table. 
I, you know what, Phil, I'm going to look for this for you. It's in storage somewhere. Um, I can't imagine anyone watches this show, especially at this point, but I appreciate you being here. Um, it just always goes into weird tangents. But when I worked in Tucson, Arizona, my the anchor on, at our station, Guy Ashley, shout out, he's a legend in that area, Guy Ashley, and he is one of the most amazing still photographers you will ever see. And he shoots uh, desert scapes and he shoots cowboys and old abandoned houses in the desert. And I have like 10 or 12 of his photographs, but they're not in this house because they don't really go with the aesthetic. But I think that you would absolutely, like close up tight shots of real Arizona grizzled cowboys that look like the Marlboro man, but are, you know, on their horse. Well, yeah, that, that would be awesome. And I will yeah. tell you, uh, uh, because of my, uh, Cherokee heritage. I uh, I really love uh, Donald Van, who is the uh, the the prolific uh, Cherokee artist, uh, mm-hmm. and his stuff is amazing. And my website is kind of a southwestern kind of that western uh, motif. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get authorization to use one of his prints. It's on the it's on the first uh, when you open up my website that is what you see and it is a uh, it's a white wolf and a white buffalo and they're looking at each other from across a, a body of water there and then you have kind of a sunburst but uh, take a look at it but anyway the the title of that uh, that uh, print and, and he sent me the print of, of that when I was working out because you can't use this stuff you know you have to get permission to do it. And so um, they not only allowed me the opportunity to use that, but they also sent me the print. And so I have that print hanging in my office. And uh, then my logo is all based on another Donald Van, which is called Kindred Spirits, which is the name of my private investigations company. So um, uh, yeah, it's that, 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 uh, uh, that artistry and that Western culture and and uh, Native American culture is uh, it, it means a lot to me on a personal level. But I just enjoy it. My dad was a cowboy, and um, and uh, yeah. So when we're here, it's much the same kind of atmosphere. We're in a rural area here, Ohala, and uh, so I surround myself with those things that are unique to this this atmosphere, and it is. Uh, I've got a uh, 11 foot koa longboard hanging from the ceiling upstairs that I had made uh, by a friend of mine, a neighbor that's a, an amazing wood carver. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, I uh, I just enjoy this stuff. It just uh, it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. Yeah, I love that stuff too. We've got a kind of a beach a beachy motif going on, being that we're uh, near the beach in in Miami. Um, if anyone knows, by the way. Or we have a kitchen nook, and I want to get a photograph, a very big one, of like an underwater scene of like, I saw something really cool. It was, it, it, these guys are like amazing photographers. It was kind of like a fisheye shot of like sharks under the water, but you can see above and you see the land. Anyone knows of an awesome underwater, cool photo? Surviving the Survivor 
at gmail.com. We don't just talk about crime. We talk about art because we are sophisticated. Scott Duffy, um, do you have original artwork by some of the greats, Jackson Pollock, perhaps, that are worth trying to do that? I'm no. sorry, I don't. I don't. don't. I, you know. I wish. I, I am. Uh, you just, Scott, you just look like you do. Yes, you do. Um, true story. Oh, and one more thing, and I'll, you know, I'm, I'm interrupting again. But uh, do you remember Jonathan Winters? Yeah. You remember yeah. Jonathan Winters, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all over my body, you know, that Chester Hunter. Yeah. Right? Funniest man on the face of the freaking planet. And uh, he was also an artist. Hmm. And he was more into surrealism. But anyway. I just purchased a Jonathan Winters print called Lights in the Attic. It's just really, yeah, it's really cool. And it's going up here. Mm. Yeah, I have a, we get talking about art stuff and I just, I'm sorry. I just go. Uh, no, I, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, if I bought that, I, anyone let me know. Surviving the Survivor at Gmail. I'm looking for cool underwater art. It's just, I, I wish I saved the print. I can't find it. Um, hey, Mona says, Joel could be a golden retriever, Scott could be a beagle, and Phil could be a Rottweiler. All the dog talk earlier got me thinking. I'm referring to a German Shepherd. I'm not a big Rottweiler fan. So. I knew the COE would put this up from Shannon. Joel is a multi-poo. Um, that is highly offensive, Shannon. Um, <laughs> well, the truth always hurts, you know? The truth does hurt, but I appreciate the honesty. Uh, Phil said he's always honest. I have loads of original art by myself, by local artists, uh, work with bread on their table. You're all conned on these mad prices. That's probably true. Uh, but look, if I was uh, Phil Waters, accomplished, worth hundreds of millions, former uh, FBI or former detective in the Houston PD, I too would be buying art. Um, in my next life, as I like to say, I will come back as Phil Water, uh, as Phil Waters. Phil, um, are they going to catch this guy? Because we don't have very good shots of him. He's super random, apparently. Um, will they catch him, and how soon? Well, to the how soon part, I mean, who knows? I never. I knew, right knew you're going to tell me that. That's why I asked. But, uh, but I'm, I'm with Scott. I, I think, uh, boy, they've got some really good leads. They put that out there because people will call in. Uh, we've got this DNA match, and I think I think they will. I may be wrong, but I, I think the odds are in the favor of getting this guy caught. Mm. Um, Lucy Bell, Scott Duffy is being coy. We see the large framed art print on your wall. Um, I'm going to be transparent about this. Since I had Scott on last night, uh, Scott, I need a third for, uh, is it Monday night? Yes. Yeah. So Monday night, we're going to go back to the Rachel Morin case. Uh, Scott Duffy, I'm going to give you first dibs as our third person on that. We've got a Baltimore detective, uh, Debbie Ramsey. Have you ever heard of that name? She's pretty high up in the Baltimore Police Department. She's coming on the show with um, Joe Jackalone, a cold case investigator with the NYPD. Um, I, I know it's hurting Phil, and he's upset because I'm giving Scott first dibs on that. No, no, no. You know what? I mean that that is a that's a regional discussion. That is, <laughs> Scott, that is Scott's region. Now, if you come to Texas and start that stuff, Scott, I'm sorry, brother, you're out. I, I yeah. wouldn't. I would and not. 
I would not tread on your Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. That's my territory, brother. You know, Bill, you know, and you're obviously we want you for uh, Maui on Sunday, but church comes first. But you let me know. But well, um, I'll see we can. I'll see what we can work out. Uh, this is the longest show we've ever done. Uh, it's getting out of hand. I got to be more considerate of these guys' time, even though it's my favorite time of the week. Uh, it's well, I was late, so that's my fault. But. Yeah, Phil was late. I think that's why. So we're making up for Phil's absence. Um, love you guys. Back uh, Sunday night with the Maui fundraiser. Uh, please be here. It'll be good. Uh, you'll feel good about yourselves. You can buy. Look at that. You can buy. It's called Mahalo Maui. That was the name I gave it. Um, the thumbnail is up. Uh, it's scheduled on YouTube. Um, it'll be a little heavy, a little sad, uh, but you'll feel good um, contributing, I think. Uh, look at this. Hold on real quick. Now, this is this guy's talking. Joel's either a great Pyrenees, St. Bernard, or mini Schnauzer. Uh, it's interesting that you say that. Um, going on, looks. I had a mini schnauzer when I was uh, a kid. I was born, it was born two months after me. It was unable to be groomed. It was one of the meanest dogs in the world. Loved me. She lived till 17. So I literally was born with her and she didn't die till she was 17. However, my grandmother lived in Switzerland and I used to visit and you'd see St. Bernard's with the rum barrels around their neck. Some of the coolest dogs in the world always wanted one. So that's an interesting comment. Um, Monday night, Rachel Morin. Tuesday night, back to this crazy case of Karen Reed with Turtle Boy. Wednesday, Dr. Devin Hoover. Uh, that's a neuro. He's a neurosurgeon in Detroit. We talked about this case with Phil and Scott a while ago. Uh, he was shot in the head twice, rolled into a carpet naked. Uh, he was living in a mansion by himself. He had shown some concern. It's almost four months later. Uh, there is no suspect. Uh, no one knows who did this. For, uh, Thursday, Dan Markell is in court. Uh, Charlie Adelson wanted in the murder of Dan Markell is in court. We're following that. And then Friday, we're right back with this. Uh, until then, everyone, love you, America. Love you, Hawaii, Maui, the Big Island, Philly, Delaware, the UK, Miami, Australia, Canada, Tasmania. Should I go on? Japan. Aloha. Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks. 